everybody to the first episode of the Caffeine Crew podcast. Actually, do we even have a Pops, name? Uh, cast of Pods. Cast, cast of Pods. Of pods. <laughs> we, I think we only wanted to do that just for the sheer idea of potentially getting the idea of our logo having the CCCP. <laughs> <laughs> In Soviet Russia, podcast records you. <laughs> oh, God. Well, anyway. And then, and then finds you for, for using curse words. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Rob. Um, I'm also Riff Rat on the Caffeine Crew website. And with me today is Tim. I'm Lynch. Uh, you know me from the, the uh, website as Asher Dales. I know, I can't remember mine either. Oh. I'm like blanking on who the fuck I am. <laughs> I, actually, I just remember who I was on the website. Uh, hi, I'm Siobhan. Um, on the website, you know me as Eyes of Seraphim. Yep, look me up. I'm Bill. I am Nocturable on the website, also the master of puns. Puns of fun himself. <laughs> And I'm Kat. I'm uh, K McIntyre MT. It's very creative. So, with this being the first episode, we thought the way that would be fun to start this whole thing off would be to start off every show with a really oddball hypothetical to kind of kickstart things. So, my question for you guys is this. Would you rather poop from your mouth or eat from your ass? (laughs) This hypothetical is a real, real shitstorm. So it begins. <laughs> All of the groaning. Well, okay. Here's here's a question for it. Do you taste with your butt as well? Oh, well, that's a yeah. legitimate question. Cat. Um, I don't know. It didn't really specify. I got these off Reddit. Well, you, 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 well that's mistake one. <laughs> no. Okay, so wait. Maybe you're just reversing holes, so to speak. Okay, so your ass becomes your mouth, and your mouth becomes your ass, ass or something. Yeah. I think because I'd rather eat out my ass. I'd rather eat out of my ass. You can too. be all secretive. You can go out to like if you're on a fancy dinner date, you can just go. I could stuff lettuce up my butt. You stuff lettuce up my butt. Do that anyway. <laughs> the question is, do you get your nutrients the kind of the same way though? It's like it's like you know, you know, absorb everything, so you're only eating a tiny little bit. Then I guess because everything is just going right to your bloodstream. I would assume because they talk about the they always joke about the low and brow enema uh. of people like doing the butt enemas with beer. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay here. Here's the question that I have is, so you eat from your butt, do you also poop with your butt? That's what I was thinking too, and I'm like, well, I was like, if that's the case, then that's not that bad. If you're uh, unless your taste buds in your butt too. Oh. Uh, Either oh. way, it sounds like you're tasting poop. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Both ways, you're, yeah, it's, I, this is a lose-lose situation. Yeah, I don't really think there's a win in this. <laughs> Although well, put it in your mouth, you'll ne- no one's ever gonna want to kiss you again. South Park, but, man. Butt kisses. That's all I got to say. <laughs> butt kisses. When you butt just like rub butt together. You just touch assholes together. I love you. This is how we show affection in my world. Well, then everyone. So, like, what, how would you vomit then? From your butt. From your butt. If you so it's just kind of like normal diarrhea oh, then, still. Uh, so it's like yeah. the day after a Taco Bell run. Oh, oh no, no, it's gonna be a lot more worse than that. Because think Why? about like when you're when you Taco like puke, that's like stomach acids and straight oh, that's bile. That's burn. not digested. Oh, that's gonna hurt. Well, so it's not that it's explosive diarrhea. I'm suddenly feeling less and less well from eating that sausage. But poop from your mouth. Okay, so real quick, Kat, what's your answer on this one? 
Eat from your butt. Eat from your butt, Bill. I think I'd rather poop from my mouth. There's always, there's always <laughs> listerine. You always keep a toothbrush handy. A little, you know, pocket check out four times a year instead of two at the dentist of office. Course. <laughs> of course, Siobhan? Uh I would want to eat from my butt. <laughs> I would, I would poop from my mouth just for the sheer hilarity factor for myself. <laughs> Game. Finding a little bit of corn in your teeth. Oh, yeah. I'm just be like... Oh. I could be like, somebody annoying shows up and just be like... <laughs> uh, hey, deal, deal with that. Oh, imagine burps. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, then you don't need the uh, camping oil to do, a fi- the, to do the uh, fire breathing. Oh, that's right. true. Oh, that's right. That means you also be farting out of your mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> This has opened up a new sad dimension. I, I'm seeing like so many angles. Like I feel like I need to chart this on a board and like all the things Bed we diagram. didn't think about this. So then, would oral be anal then? Ooh, it would be both. <laughs> <laughs> Double the pleasure. Double the sadness. Uh, I, I, I'm just gonna eat from the butt. I'm gonna go with eat from the butt. I thought you were gonna say poop through your mouth, and I was like. Wait, why are all the girls choosing the butt and all the guys are choosing the mouth? It's like, <laughs> what's the motivation here? Guys love poop. It's <laughs> Poop's always funny. So, <laughs> that's true. It's okay if a little slips out while you're talking. Then <laughs> he could really, you know, yell shit at people. <sighs> so anyway, cat. Myself and Lynch, we were at uh, a convention, um, what was it, about two weeks ago now? Week and a half? Great. That was, that was a great transition. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm just letting the ding echo us out. Just walk away from There's no good, clean way to move from, like, discussing what we're... Oh, God. There is. There is. Just, we just need toilet paper. Awesome. <laughs> Wipe the shame away, Rob. Puns are contagious. Oh. Oh. But... Yeah, too, too many, too many games. Too, too many games. <laughs> Which was awesome. We had a great time, though. That was, uh, at least. It was fantastic. Um, well, too many games, for one, is a video game convention, and it's a traditional showroom floor where you can find a lot of old school retro stuff. Um, there's a lot of, uh, indie stuff there, too, as well, between board games, um, stuff for PC, uh, arcade stuff, a lot of stuff that's potentially moving to new consoles, hitting Steam, uh, concerts, and they have special guests, panels, the whole nine. They have the arcade, uh, you got, yeah, you got the panels, special guests, um, cool things like the Mario Kart. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that somebody, was very somebody cool. built their own Mario Kart, and, uh, I think it was a little Scion, like, XA or something like that, and they kind of, like, pretty much repainted yeah. it and repurposed the entire inside. The sound system inside was what made me smile the most, was there was a giant warp pipe in the back end of the hatchback that was sticking halfway out, and there was a giant sub inside the middle of the warp pipe. And then the amplifiers on either side of the back doors were painted, painted up like thwumps. So they actually added little things. Uh, they have like a DK barrel on the top, like little flags. It was pretty cool. They really do drop the bass. Do you hate yourself yet? Yeah, I, that, that would hurt me a little bit. You know, you guys are making more puns than I think I'm going to make this entire podcast here. So You're showing me up. It, it hurts me every time I do it. A little little piece of me dies inside. So, I heard that there was a uh, Smash Brothers tournament with the new 
I thought it was the new Smash Brothers. No, no, no they was... did. They did an N sixty four one. No, Project M. Oh, Project M. Okay. Um, which uh, Project M is the fan project for the Wii that people basically found a way to hack the system and they made it more in line with the one from GameCube. It's, it has the the entire physics engine from Melee just rode over onto a brawl. Mm-hmm. It's just come, you you load it up onto a little SD card for the Wii, uh, pop it in the slot, and I, I'm not really entirely sure how you. I think, think there's works, some homebrew hacks you have to do to be able to get it to work, but yeah. But yeah, I'm sure you know that's why God created Google. So uh, <laughs> if you want to check out Project M, you can always do that through looking it up and figuring out for yourself. There was what? You? Oh, I really <laughs> dug the uh, shell cosplay and? there. Oh, I really dug the shell cosplay. Oh yeah, um, that was awesome. Yeah, shell from uh, Portal. There was a girl that. Um, had oh yeah. yeah, yeah. She was um, on those thingies. What she was were on they? Painter stilts. Um, she was on painter stilts. No, no, they're not painter stilts. No, Hi. they're. They're. I forget what? what the the heck they're called, but they're <coughs> they're actually like the the spring stilts for like tricking. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. it was really cool. I had never seen those before, and she was just like. Elevated above everyone and tromping around the convention. It was mm-hmm. pretty awesome. She had, her, she had the she had her portal gun. Yes, and it was uh, awesome. Here it was pretty cool. But I know it's um you know aside from that I think like you know they had a couple concerts. Um, AVGN, um, video game nerd. They were celebrating their tenth anniversary at the show yeah. too, which was pretty cool. The the whole I think most of the Cinemassacre people were there. James was there. Mike, uh, Bootsy. Uh, who else? I thought I saw a couple other people there, but they, those are the th- big three that, that showed up. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the main thing that we really focused on when we were there, though, was, again, was the indie games. Like, I think every, um, all three of us actually got the chance to play a little bit of something. Yeah. So, good. Um, that actually just reminds me, what was that game you guys were playing where, like, you have the, the things that kill you or what help you? Ah, okay. And the things that help you or kill you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did, Kat, did you get a chance to put that? Yeah, I think that was um, no, I didn't actually. Okay. So it was just it, was, it yeah. was just me and uh, Tim. Me and Tim played it though. Uh, so this game was uh, Default Dan, um, and basically, kind of the idea of the game was kind of bizarre. It was like flipping Mario. Yeah, it was basically taking all the platformer principles of like Mario, Metroid, uh, like Donkey Kong Country was in yeah. there too. Um, and you it, you uh, flip it, invert it, so. Everything that's good for you in those games is bad for is causes death in default Dan. Yeah, so pretty much like when we started the game, like I had no idea, and there was a little placard that you could write up and uh, read up, yeah, read up whatever. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking WordPress in my brain or something. <laughs> I think it's I have a lot of stuff I have to get finished still this week, and I haven't done so. I know, right? Um, <laughs> um, so there was the little plaque I pretty much needed to do my reading on about the game, which I completely chose to ignore. Of course. So I kept starting the game, and and there's a line of coins in front of you. So whenever you see like an old 2D game, the first thing you want to do is, I'm going to collect every coin. So I collect the first coin, and my character explodes. And I'm like, I did something wrong. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try this again. So I start, and I'm like, okay, I blew up again. What the fuck has happened? You did I'm it so like com- five or six I times. I did, and I just stopped. And all of a sudden, like, one of the devs came over, and they're like, yeah, um... Don't collect the coins. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I jump over this ledge and jump over this set of coins, and there's like the little present boxes that look like the question mark blocks from uh, blocks from Mario. And I hit that and I explode. Oh and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm just gonna die and So but the whole game is based off of those principles, like the normal like pits that you would see in Mario. Instead of like jump like you don't have to jump over them. If you fall down them, you'll come out of the top of the screen. So like similar like if you played like games like Pac-Man, if you go through the borders on the left and right, top and bottom, you end up on the other side. 
It kind of also reminds you of Portal, where you like you fall down, your momentum can carry with you, and you can like coast through obstacles coming out from the top of the stage. Um, but it was cool. It was really awesome. So, uh, like, if you had read the literature, you would have known how to play from the get-go, like, mm-hmm. not collect coins and stuff? Oh, totally. Kind of. I mean, it's I wasn't to... sure if they would explain it to you, or they'd be like, okay, go nuts and see what you do. They did, but it's hard to, ex- like, it's hard to break the habit. Mm-hmm. Muscle, it's one of those muscle things. memory. Yeah, because you, if you played, like, you know, if you grew up playing those games... It's hard to break the hot, like the thing of coin equals yay. Exactly. Yeah. It also helps that they also make fun of you the entire time you're playing the game. They have signs posted like, go ahead and collect those coins, seriously. And they're like, don't jump on the spikes and things like that. But the spikes are actually the spring boosts. Like, to get you up and over areas. And you're like, god damn it. So the game is constantly just like heckling you as you're playing it. Like, it's just, like, written on little signs, but it's all over and you can't help. And I found out that you can kill the enemies. You have to hit them from underneath. Yeah, you can (laughs) jump. You can jump up and hit them from underneath instead of jumping on top of them. So it is fully in reverse. It's really bizarre. But, um... You can't just run into them because... No, if if you run into them, you're dead. But, like, the normal traditional enemy-looking characters, you can run through and ride on top of to get through obstacles. Did you have something lined up? No. I, 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 you you had that look on your face. You're like, I got something. I got something. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about this game and how I would play it, you know, oh God, getting yeah. set in front of it for the first time. It almost sounds like a kind of a live action kind of, yeah, well, not live action. Good game. <laughs> d- dunk tank. You know, you're trying to hit the target and get the guy fall into the dunk tank. And every time you miss, he's heckling you and... You're doing it. Yeah. You think you're doing everything right, <laughs> kind of. Um, but like once once you figure out like all the little gimmicks of it, it start you 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 get used to it. Yeah, the, your bra- biggest enemy in that game is really your brain. Yeah. Um, that's straight like, down what it comes up. And comes really, up. actually figuring out some of the puzzles because that wraparound does add a lot. Like the change of everything does add a lot of different strategy and. Like, new ways to construct a puzzle. Mm-hmm. So, with this game, what are they looking to do with it? Is it for any type of system? Is it PC? Um, and al- it... Almost all these games were hitting Steam. Is their primary platform. Mm-hmm. They did mention that they were looking at trying to move this into the PlayStation brand. They didn't mention specifically if that's PS3, PS4, or Vita. Uh, but they did say that's a hope. Um, I actually had a question. Because I kept seeing Steam Greenlight everywhere. What is... I have seen Steam Greenlight everywhere. What is that? It's basically a polling system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, games go up on uh, Greenlight and you click... Uh, you vote on whether or not you would like to uh, to see the game made. Okay, so that's how indies get kind of pushed to the forefront of getting... Produced. Yeah, like, that's a big way uh, that Steam pushes indie games. Okay. Um, because I think almost all of the ones, I, like every game we went to, I saw something about Steam Greenlight, and I just had no it's idea like, what It's like, what is this was. thing yeah. I've never heard of before? Yeah, basically, like, all the communities, what's, yeah, just trying to get you upvoted. So, like, in the moment that it helps, it's, you know you have the community push. There's enough chance of you to make your money with that's that. That's great and I think they actually, Valve helps you out. Yeah. Like, the Steam team actually can help you yeah, I think with this, development. Yeah, um, they did get, when we were there, they got the, the go-ahead for Steam Greenlight. Yep. Um, yeah. There was a couple of the other guys there, too. We saw that all got their, um, pretty much past their Steam Greenlight already there, or were in the midst of theirs while the show. But if you want to check out a little bit more about the Health Day, I know, like, we do have articles up on the site. Um, we do a little interview with, um, 
with Britt, one of the uh, developers. So you can check that out through um, our podcast tab uh, and check under the interview section there, and you'll be able to hear that and see a little bit of write-up. They do have a demo on their web- a website, I believe, too. That's free to download, so you can check it out. Um, PC controls. Because it's still an alpha build or something? Yeah, it's a, it's a, actually, I think they said it's more of a beta at this okay. point. They said I think they're going to launch probably in about a month, give or take. Oh, wow. They were pretty close okay. to being done. That's cool. So. Yay! Yeah. Now, do you have any other big, huge games from you? Um, I would. I played a lot more. More of the board games really stuck out to me than because Default Day was big. Uh, Coin Crypt was. It wasn't my cup of tea. I loved it. I thought it was so adorable. Um, Coin Crypt. It was really addictive. It's this little like. It looks like Minecrafty and. <gasps> it's my uh, but um, you just kind of move around and click stuff and fight dudes and shit. It's a uh, point-and-click uh, roguelike. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's... So. I can totally get that. What, what is oh, that? Yeah. The art style is about voxel? Or voxel? Or I think it's voxel-based or something like that. Graphics where it's... Yeah, it had a thing where it's I guess... It's 3D like... giant pixels. Basically mm-hmm. that. But it, it was had really a smoothed-out look to it. So, but it was... Yeah, it was cute. But, like, um, you fight using coins, and all the coins do different things. So, you know, it's kind of like you, you end up building strategies based on the coins you collect and stuff like that. And so I liked that. I thought that, like, that's all That's all my speed. I that's like that game kind of game it's pro- I would play. It's procedurally based, too, so every time you play the game, it's always different. Mm-hmm. Um, but the strategy element comes in, like, the coins you collect and choose, um, how they actually work is the ones you select, you have finite spots in your inventory, but whatever you are using for combat, um, they're pulled at random, I believe. I think he yes. said. So uh, there's yeah, there, it's it's a random genera- generation of what three three different types three. of coins. I think I saw the later screenshots. So you can get up to five. I guess there's uh, items power that, ups. Yeah, and stuff like that. So like, if you're constantly picking like attack ones, well, you have no way to like defend yourself or heal in a battle. And yeah. once you die, it's permadeath, and you're done. Yeah, because <laughs> most of the characters there's you have actually have an array of characters, and the ones that I was playing at the at TMG was uh their their HP was like ten. <laughs> and the enemies are hitting for like four. <laughs> so and there's like shield boost cards where it's like shield four, and I'm like, oh yay, shield! Or it's like um, attack four, heal two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a good mix. There was a lot of weird power ups that I did just didn't have time to learn what they were. Yeah. But uh, that was dumb and fat games. And again, you can find out more on uh, our website. I think they have a, a seven dollar seven dollar beta build on on Steam already available right now. Mm-hmm. If you want to check that out too. Um. Yeah, the Nine Kingdoms stuff. Nine Kingdoms. Yeah, their their stuff was actually really really fun. I got to play Apocalypse with a Z on the end. It's a the way they the way they describe it on the box is it's a board building strategy card game. It's like it's kind of like a deck builder, but instead of building you building in the deck or the hand, you build. Your, you have your stronghold that you start with, and then you can populate your stronghold with people, and you have to raid the other players' strongholds to make them consume uh, resources, which is your library. Hmm. And then there's the, the consumption phase of each turn where however many survivors that you have in your stronghold, you have to consume resources for them. Was the theme, like, zombie-ish? Or? Yeah, it's zombie uh, Okay. Zombie zombie apocalypse. Apocalypse. Okay. I'm so, not sure what type of pop. <laughs> There's a lot of different kinds. Yeah, so it's so like we need to care. It's the popular one nowadays. Come on. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Get with the program. 
But it's really cool because you uh, you either discard for each one resource you need to consume, you either discard two from your hand or top deck one into your graveyard. Yeah, and um, Ivan, one of the guys that runs the company, was also saying the key element is it's more survival over well strategy over survival. So you're what you're really planning yeah. and what you're plotting is yeah, well, your key. To well, everything. because you use a strategy, you want to survive more than than like taking down your opponent. Mm-hmm. So survival is that really key factor. It's Do like they have a runaway card? No. <laughs> Run <Nope>. away. <laughs> Run away and get eaten. <laughs> and there's there's ways to get the the cards in the graveyard back. Okay. So um, like there's a there's a, a salvage uh, scavenge points that you can pull, and there's a limit on how many cards that have to be in your graveyard before you can play it, but once you play that, that's a new location that you can play people to. Okay, that's kind of cool. So, and they have, like, uh, for the the demo game, we had, the one that I pulled was a six, uh, six scavenge, so I take the, I think it's the bottom six cards off the graveyard and put them into the, into the scavenge location, and then I can start playing people at that. To get resources, and I have to clear room. You have to clear rooms to like collect resources. So it's fairly in depth. I think they said the game takes like normally an hour playtime, yeah. something like that. Wow. And then the resources that you collect go onto the bottom of your deck. What do you think the learning curve for something like that would be? The it game took me about uh, what? Took you were about, about twenty minutes. Twenty minutes for, for that to, to play the going. game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's not bad, really, yeah. for a game. Yeah. For it was a half, uh, half deck uh, demo. Oh, okay, okay. cool. Yeah. So I mean, pretty pretty standard time for uh, picking up. Now there was a game. Yeah. I you told me like they said we were there. You know, all three of us were there together Friday, and it was mm-hmm. you and me on Saturday. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, you went back and you got a chance to check out a couple of things. And there's two games specifically I wanted to hear a really quick little rundown. I kind of wanted to talk about Titans of Empyrean too. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. 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 Because <laughs> that's the other game that they had at uh, at their booth. The Nine Kingdoms had at their booth, but it was um, it's a completely different game from Apocalypse. It's a uh, strategy aerial combat game mm-hmm. where you, you're you flying titans. It's like it was like what? That's dragons? Awesome. Yeah, it was like basically a giant dragon fight. Yeah, it's a giant dragon fight. It's like Ace Combat That's with so fire. That's so cool! Yeah, and there's, it's pretty neat because uh, you, you maneuver your, your pieces around the board and you have to make sure they're positioned the right way to attack the other people and then you use the... Uh, uh, the resource cards, I forget what the heck they're called, but you use the cards to, um, play, uh, maneuvers, mm-hmm. and each one has their maneuver pool is listed on the card, and you have that many maneuvers in your pool for each titan, and you play maneuvers to, like, boost your endurance, or, like, damage all, uh, deal one damage to all enemies on the board. That's awesome. And then you stack, you stack damage onto each one, and then you can remove damage by destroying resources. Thanks. Just to be sure, these are still, even though they're card-based games, they're still on Steam, right? No, they're, they're, they're actually, they're actually, no, they're actually card, card games. Card, card games, yeah. Yeah. So this is more like the veins of like if people play like things like Munchkin, like Cards Against Humanity. It's, it's just normal physical printed stuff, so. Mm -hmm. Um, is there, since their stuff is indie, is their stuff gonna be able, like, 
Can you get it in stores or only online um, via them? Or I think Apocalypse I, is out. Apocalypse is available in, in retail stores. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I don't know which ones. I'm going to check down at Carl's because I want to get oh, it. Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, and Carl's is uh, out in Westchester, PA. There's an awesome place called uh, Gameskeep, uh, which they just opened up a new storefront. And at the Gay Street Plaza. Mm-hmm. And so it's a huge, huge storefront where, you know, you can pretty much get into, like, Magic the Gathering games, um, yep, all sorts of tabletop games, mm-hmm. D&D, like, actual board games, mm-hmm. um, I guess, Poke Dudes and Yugi Dudes. Well, speaking of board games, um, Days of Nights is another great place to go to find board games. Yeah. It's in uh, Newark, Delaware. Yep, right by uh, University of Delaware College. awesome. You Dude, took you, us there. Yeah, you go in the back room. It's literally a library. Of board games. Oh, yeah, there's it's a, like insane. So you got got to go into the adult section. When you go in there, it kind of feels like it used to be a porn store because it's like this back kind of like hardwood floors with like all the shelving. Yep. Like, Games are sticking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, nerd no, like, days and nights cool though. Like, just usually you walk in there and it's floor to a ceiling the way that they're stacked. And that back room mm-hmm. is honestly like being in the overly crowded library of nothing but board mm-hmm. games. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, um, but going back to um, the other ones, which yes. ones were you uh, I, talking about? I need to hear really quickly about Alcaslam and sorry, hang the table. Um, Alcaslam and there was. Oh, there was the one that was based on like the metal lyrics I needed to hear about. Oh, yeah, the um, Viking one. There was a Viking attack of Attack Viking. of Electric Vikings or whatever. Yes, I think it was the Attack of the Electric Vikings. Which one do you want me to start with? Attack of the Electric Vikings. Attack of the Electric Vikings, which is I think <laughs> what it's called. But we'll, it's, we'll look it up and we'll put a show note in yeah. there. So, but it's it's uh, Scrabble with but instead of placing letters, you build metal lyrics. I want what? that game. We need that game in our lives, like, so we, right now. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, like, So you get a handful of, like, tiles that have um, uh, singular words on them, or sometimes they're plural, but you just, you get a handful, you get a hand of... You said it was eight? Eight, I think, for the full game, and you just build metal lyrics. Oh and you can God, stack on top amazing. of other lyrics to change change the lyric. Oh my god, so like, do you have any examples of any of the ones that came up, or like, can you um, think of anything close? Father Odin fisting graveyards forever. <laughs> that's actually that's surprisingly amazing. accurate. <laughs> oh, that sounds so awesome. Um, are they already, are they close to retail, or no? Not no, yet. not yet. They oh. were trying to get the Kickstarter up, but they, uh, I don't think they, they made their goal. Uh, uh, we'll have that, we'll totally have to hit them yeah. up and, and see. Because the there was only... Yeah, there was only a week left in their Kickstarter at the end of uh, Too Many Games. Okay. Well, like I said, we'll check them out. Um, and again, too, going back to Titans of Imperium, uh, if you go to NineKingdoms.com, you can actually do a printout version that's free of Titans of Imperium. I must um, I must interject about this at this point. Uh, make sure you read the rules before you print everything out because you're going to need extra maneuver cards. They don't give you enough in the print and play okay. for even two players. Because you're supposed to start with 21... Each player is supposed to start with 21 maneuver cards. There are 34 that it comes with. Oh. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you're... So yeah, so really more. Agree <laughs> to all of the cards. And we can reach out to them and let them know about that too. And yeah. maybe they can make a change to their, mm-hmm. their structure on that. But they were really awesome guys. And, yeah. uh, okay, so Alka-Slam. Alka-Slam is wizard tennis. That sounds fun. There's there You have the board. You have your six spaces per side for boards. One side... 
and the uh, foul the foul lines are uh, red and blue, and the card. And you have your wizard guy. You have your wizard token, and you have the ball token, and it's you you play wizard tennis. That sounds. It's like a, so it's much a hand fun. it's a hand building card game, where uh, each card has there's three different types of cards I believe. There's uh, move red. Move blue and enchantment. <laughs> enchantment. Oh my God. All I can think of is We're back on a new kick. We're, we're on a new kick. But um, <laughs> but yeah, the 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 uh, red and blue cards are number. The, the cards are numbered one through three or zero through three, and the the number depicts for the red and blue. The number depicts how many spaces the ball goes forward, and then red or blue determines if it moves. Uh, left or right, or red t- towards red or blue. Oh, so it moves forward, and then it goes towards whichever side the so, car, the mm-hmm. color card is. So it's a very warped board game version of Pong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And That's cool. um, you uh have to move. Your wizard has to move to the square with the ball in it to hit it back. So and the, you, the wizard can only move one space at a time. Okay. One, uh, one square at a time, and it can't go move diagonally. So okay. it only can move forward or backwards or side to side. Okay. So that's good. You can't do the, a sliding save. The way, <laughs> the way that you get extra uh, movement is by discarding enchantment cards. Enchantment. I know. Okay. <laughs> enchantment! <laughs> you discard one enchantment card to get uh, one extra movement. <sighs> that's awesome. That's and when you, uh, when, and if you play uh, a, um, an enchantment card, because you can play up to three cards at a time, you, um, it limits the amount of cards that the opponent can play then on their turn. So if you have enchant one, they can only use one card. Okay. To return. Okay, so they did, they did have a way to, like, kind of keep it fairly balanced. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's very, it's, very very quick because it's it's tennis it's you go to it's first to three points and every oh. time you can't return you uh, the other your opponent wins a point nice. oh wow so it's quick matches yeah it's it's very quick that's awesome. okay that's and awesome. there's doubles oh that's there's awesome doubles so you get four people to play that's you cool four people oh, to play cool. and your partner do- it's a lot like um, last game I played like this it was a ticket to ride when you're playing teams. Oh, you don't know what your teammate's going to play. That's awesome. Oh my god, that's, that's I like really that. cool. Like everybody here has played. Has anybody here played a game of doubles and ticket to ride? Uh, yes. No. Come on. We'll have to make I've never actually play. never played Okay, we ride, so. we will have to remedy that. But it's yes. we'll we'll plan a game. Well, um, a good friend of ours is visiting here from China right now, and that was one of his huge requests was uh, a big game night. So we'll make sure we get a copy of Ticket to Ride and. Bill and Siobhan will make sure you get a chance to play. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy, and I definitely had a got onto a team for Ticket to Ride. Um, Wing Ding Dingo. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. On on the site. Yep. He um, and I were sharing very meaningful looks. <laughs> give the contact of like. Um, and that's yeah. That's I was the... on a team with Sassy Bridges from the site, and we freaking rocked that with our glances. But that's that's the crazy thing when you play doubles, you're not allowed to talk to your partner. 
Yes. Oh. So you have to kind of anticipate and think ahead. Stare longingly at one another. Pray to God they know exactly what you they think you're going to do. Can you give like nonverbal cues? Yes, you, you can kind of look at each other and wait, give, wait, yeah. yeah, wait. Well, like you can't like tap on the board and be like, but I'm going partner, here. Yeah. yeah, if your partner's you, really bad at looks, though, they might just think you're constipated. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so this you may not work out very well. They're like pooping from the mouth, pooping from the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You can, yeah, you can, you also can't um, learn sign language and sign at each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I think it's offensive. <laughs> you know what that means? Pre-game, whoever your partner's going to be, you have to come up with a code before secret playing. Code. A secret oh. code? Like the little nose like taps. Like, oh, like, the ear pulls. Wizard, yeah, yeah. don't be game. doing this to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Putting your hair back means something, or oh tugging on gosh. your ear means something Man, else. Man, I am not attentive enough to follow. <laughs> but like, all in all, like I said, uh, there was a ton more stuff we could talk about with, uh, with but you can check all of that stuff out on um, the website. Uh, yeah. We've got a few more articles coming this week still. Yeah. Um, we com- have uh, panel stuff about panels, um, more reviews on games. Mm-hmm. I think we still have a, a write-up to coming on Colony 1 and Pulsar. Uh, so one was yeah. a top-down sh- um, third-person shooter. And the other was uh, a classic hey. called Flight Sim Wing Commander S title game. Yeah. Um, and well, then it looks uh, Pulsar looks fun. It's going to be a uh, looks multiplayer. Uh, well, they say it was a very quick arcade match, yeah. so it'll make it pretty cool. But um, I know they still have quite a while to go still on development. But we'll definitely get some info up on there. But um, this kind of brings me to one big key point. Like the convention was a shit ton of fun. Um, but I noticed that one of the things that it was really hard to walk away from though was the indie games. Like, well, that was the big, uh, big draw. Of it really, the, really the was. It, yeah. Um, the indie showcase was just awesome. Like I could just, I, when we, on Friday, we spent most of our time there. Yeah. I mean, they, I don't know what you guys did on Saturday. They stuffed the arcade but... way in the back. Yeah. Oh, but the um, arcade of shame. <laughs> it was. <laughs> like I said, they ran a really fun convention, but there was a couple of tweaks that we'll have to see to make for next year. But I mean, like, Though, like, honestly, if they can keep building up that indie yeah. showcase, though, the way that and how large it was, like, you could easily spend three days mm-hmm. back there and just playing stuff, talking to developers. and getting I mean, I gotta stuff. say, I'm just impressed. Like, you would talk to these guys. They made these games, and it's, like, three or five-man teams. And some of them like, one person. designing, yeah, and, like, they designed it. They, you know, did the art. Like, you know, they had, like, different people doing the programming, art, and all that stuff. But, I mean, like, you see huge games, and they have these gigantic teams, and it's, so it's kind of amazing just seeing, you know, a fun game where a couple people got together and did it. That's yeah. talent right there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, talent, it's talent and passion. And, mm-hmm. yes, and that's really the is. big thing that really kind of separates the small games the small indie games from big games nowadays at mm-hmm. least in my opinion there's a lot of big games that I look at when I go to the store and I say why would I ever want to play this game mm-hmm. um, the interesting thing I think too is like for the last two years especially in like video game space indie games almost felt like it was kind of like a dirty word like a lot of people were always kind of like oh you know well, what's ne- when the next Assassin's Creed is coming out yeah. Before, I think it was, like, Minecraft where it turned it all around. Kind of. And, but, I mean, like, it's been around since, bef- like, you know, you know that's, that one, it feels weird to even call that any game because it is so huge now, and that team is so big, it's almost the not size. Not even, no, not even that. It's like a seven-man team. Not true. 
But I mean, it's like, so huge because it's not three people. Yeah, it started out as like two. It's just like two guys. Did it really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, it actually technically started out with uh, Notch. just Notch, just one guy building the code. Yeah. while he was a programmer at another company. Well, I mean, cool. they they have unlimited funds at this point. Like they are yeah. like they have all of the money in the world. Well, it's yeah. an indie game that made it big. I mean, yeah. like when we um, watched E three, there was that one. No Man's Sky. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one was, like, huge, and that was a really small team, too. Yeah, it was, it's a lot of indie games like are kind of... Like a five-man team or something yeah. like that? Yeah, it's a it's a four-man team that's turning into a seven-man team before the game's release, so... I think people are kind of, like, what you were saying, Bill, where, like, people are kind of gravitating towards, like, people who want to actually, like, make new innovative stuff rather than the same thing. Also, the other thing I love about indie games is because you get more... <clears throat> creative concepts than you would when you get mainstream games because there's more diversity in indie games. Yeah. Well, really you're gonna is. see you're gonna see something that you're not gonna see more mainstream mm-hmm. than indie games. You also don't have the accountants back there saying, No 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 no, this game isn't gonna work and and we're afraid that it's not gonna make any money, so mm-hmm. don't don't push it. Yeah, the other factor too is you also don't have a marketing team behind you that said this is the game's release date, this is the day it's done. And instead of it launching on that day where they're already have like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of marketing dollars already behind, like if you go back like three years, everybody remembers there was a huge debacle on PlayStation 3 with uh, Bethesda releasing Skyrim, a game that that version wasn't done on that, that platform. And there was... Suck a dick, Bethesda. <laughs> Bethesda and Zenimax were really at fault for this. They said, hey, we're going to still release the game. When it went to, they sent it to reviewers... Nobody got copies for anything for Sony, and everyone said, why didn't we get a copy? And they're like, oh, it's the same version, you know, we'll get them to you quickly. It was because the game was unplayable. But they still released it to the market and never made an apology. Are you serious? I never Or they said. eventually made a, an apology, but they didn't do anything to fix the game until almost six months later. Well, I mean, that's why Dragon Age 2 wasn't as good, too, because it got rushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you it have... was like, they spent so much time reworking the engine that... Mm-hmm. It, the, the story got, you know, chopped up because they were like, push, push, push. Fuck you, EA. EA was like, hey, we need, a, we, we need your game. And Bioware went, wait, what game? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I think they had like a little less than a year and a half. It was like, we need more other things than sports. But I mean, that's the big thing now is though... But it's uh, in the game. <laughs> <laughs> if you buy the DLC. <laughs> but it's, um, but like... The middle market for gaming has disappeared. Like, that was companies like THQ and a lot of the other smaller ones that were out there, and all of them don't exist anymore. Like, um, Acclaim, all of them went away. Atari, like, everybody's that was helping make a lot of titles, and if they, they do still exist, they were absorbed by another company. Like, Platinum Games is a great development company that got bought by Sega. Atlas, an amazing company, was bought by Sega. Like, Namco and Bandai merged, like, I think it was like 10 years ago. I mean, that's why those ones are still okay to be around. I just kind of see this gigantic corporate blob just rolling over everything. That's kind of what happened. It's corporate Katamari. Yeah! (laughs) Who's the king of the cosmos, then? Uh, Nintendo. I was going to say Microsoft. Shigeru Miyamoto. (laughs) Because I could just see him just running down the street rolling up giant, like... Katamari ball of like corporate buildings. No, but he's the king, so he doesn't need to do that anymore. He sends his little prince. Mm. I don't know who that is, but he's he's an A. (laughs) (laughs) I can see uh, Phil's Amy doing that. Reggie, Phil's. 
Phil's whatever. Amy. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's words there. Just just bring back. But um, but I mean, like that's the cool thing is like indies. Like you can see it. Like last year, there was a couple really huge games that made it big. Like you had like Journey and The Walking Dead, or these smaller teams that became Game of the Year, and it's no longer that same connotation. Is because it's a game that only costs ten dollars and it's a lesser experience. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's a lot of this started though, and it's not just gaming. There's a lot of the indie movements really started tackling every form of entertainment in a very more intense way. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, for example, like, Kat, you know, you've got, you can speak up on this probably a ton, I mean, on the book. Yeah. Um, I mean, with indie publishing, yeah, totally. Uh, that's a whole slew on its own. (laughs) The, uh, indie publishing is kind of the break, I mean, that's the dawn of ebooks, birth indie publishing, pretty much. Um, it allowed, like, Publishing has very, very strict requirements, incredibly so, and I'm sure it's the same way with indie. I've actually talked to, like, indie filmmakers. It's the same exact way with movies. It's the same way with um, gaming. I mean, it's... Because, like, with the big names, you really, you have to, like, they have such a gigantic team behind them mm-hmm. that they have to make sure they get their money's worth out, yes, of, out of an art. pretty author. much. So they're not willing to, I mean, like... Everything is very formulaic to the point, like, you need to have, like, a certain word count and stuff like that. Like, it needs to be between 80,000 to 100,000 unless you have a name behind you. Um, you know, like, if it's if the market doesn't want, you know, right now the market's kind of weird with paranormal stuff. So if you're shopping a paranormal thing, guess what? It could be fucking awesome. It sucks. Um, and you, you're not even shopping to publishers, mind you. You're shopping to agents. Like, it is a whole fucking chain of weird. And, I mean, so one thing that's been awesome is with indie publishing, it allows people's stories to get out there. And it also provides the community, like, it provides people who just want to, like, a quick read or something shorter than a novel. Like, novellas have had a rebirth. Because ebooks, you can do a novella, price it, like, 99 cents to $2.99, and people can have a quick story, a quick read. Like, I'll buy a book for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, that's one of the most fun about a lot of that, too, is, like, having that that moment where people are now not dealing with, like, for video games, you don't have to deal with your publisher. Like, you know, that's the people that are helping push your game. And, you know, with the indie scene for writing, you're cutting out the agent. Like, it's Mm -hmm. you working directly with With your your direct outlet. Like, with the distribution. It's you direct to distribution. It allows you to get there. I mean, there's movies too. Right. I mean, there is self-publishing and stuff like that, and like I said, that's a different beast altogether. But I mean, like the indie indie publishers that are out there, though, they're dealing directly though with the writers, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot they're of like, great. and that's the best way for them because I mean that you know you can still have your you know momentum to go to like a large agent, but like you can still have an outlet that you can still constantly actively work with that's no longer being thought of as a lesser form of media for writing. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, indie games, I think no matter what form you're looking at... Um, Steam's provided the outlet for indie games. I yeah, mean, that's really great. That's Steam, uh, uh, PlayStation actually did a lot for indie developers. Yeah, they with, did. The, with, the self, with their self-publish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you don't have to have a publisher behind you. Like, that's Microsoft really cool. had a huge wall between people for a long time and said, you still need to have a publisher. We'll put your indie game here, but you need to connect to a publisher that will work with us. Which is really tough to do, Well, yeah. just Microsoft is evil in general, so everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I hate Microsoft. I hate Microsoft. The, the, wound, the wound 
It's very fresh. I... Oh! Oh. Oh. We'll make a little nod now. Bill Bill played a game that uh, me and Tim got addicted to last summer called uh, Hatsune Miku Project Diva F. And he played it for the first time over 4th of July. And I love it so much, I got it yesterday. I probably played about six hours already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he traded in his Xbox to get a PS3 just to play this game. So, Oh my god, you did? I traded in all of my Xbox stuff, which... Isn't a lot because, <laughs> wow. you know, every, almost every year on the year has basically been, okay, well, look at what I'm not playing. Let's trade in what I'm not playing and get something that I will play. Mm-hmm. So I traded in all my and stuff. PlayStation Plus is so much better than gold. PlayStation <laughs> Plus is oh pretty my awesome. God. Um, I'm, I'm in the in the process of, of altering my articles if you've been following the games for gold, which... I haven't been doing for that long. I'm going to switch over to PlayStation Plus and start reviewing the PlayStation awesome. Plus games that come out every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Space 3 is yep. still downloading right now because yep. it's 11 and, gigs. Uh, and then there's another game. Um, uh, it's called Vessel. Vessel, yeah. Um, it looks like you have to deal a bit with water and water and kind different of, kinds of chemical fluids and stuff like that where you have to actually find a way to move them through environments and such. That's it looks actually, very interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it looks really pretty. I play that. Um, very yeah. old school, sixteen bit looking game. It looks mm-hmm. pretty cool. And uh, plus, is actually pretty really huge for the indie games too, because you get like well, at least like one, one or like one every um, PS4 uh, and PS3 and Vita. Um, they have a lot of cross buy options, so you get you into that indie scene very easily. Like the Vita is a great handy little handheld because that game that system, while it does have a lot of AAA titles, it is all over the indie scene, and a lot of people that we even talked to too many games said they would like to get their games to Vita. Um, so as much as you hear people bitching and moaning, it's like, oh, the Vita is a dead system, it's a dying system. Indie developers love it. Um, and it's a really great access point. Why is it a dead system? You get like three free games a month on yeah. Plus. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. It's really great. Um, <laughs> Play all of the free games! Pay 50 bucks a year... Unless you get the plus on, unless you get it on sale for like thirty five, sometimes which yeah. you can see pretty commonly, like yeah. you can yeah. hunt around. And then you get three free games a month for a year, yeah. and you, all you have to do is buy a system, and then you just have a library of games. Yep, that's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. Great. Yeah. yeah, they have their uh, oh. they have their six games a month, so you get two on PS four, two on PS three, two on Vita every month. Plus, there's going to be video content coming soon too. Um, but back to the discussion. Marvel powers. <laughs> <laughs> But back to the discussion real quick, though. There's the one key point, though, that really kind of started kind of a huge rebirth of a lot of the indie movement, which was indie film. Um, late 80s, late 80s um, to the mid-90s. Um, that really started coming back into the fold. It's like cameras were becoming more uh, affordable to purchase. And I think a lot of people really started taking that chance. Like the art house scene was really starting to thrive again. And it was really cool to see the fact that like people really took advantage of it. And there was one guy very specifically, um, and I think that pretty much everybody here knows who I'm going to bring up. Um, you pretty much is it a fat man? <laughs> it yeah. is a fat man. On Batman. Uh, it is a fat man on Batman. <laughs> um, but I mean, he really kind of revitalized a lot of that idea, and where he didn't have to be super invested in doing it the corporate way, and he really broke the mold. And Kevin Smith was that person. Um, oh, you know. Kevin Smith. When he made mm-hmm. Clerks, and he was just out of out of a couple months of film school and Clerks, Small Rats, yeah, he has oh a slide yeah. of like cult movies. Yeah, I mean, like you know, he did Clerks for I think it was like twenty seven thousand dollars, and all he did was charge up everything on a whole bunch of credit cards, and he was like, "Oh crap, this was the worst mistake I ever made in my life." And he's like, "I don't know why I just wasted all this money." 
But then he. But now look at it. But yeah. now, yeah. Then he, he made Clarks. Yeah. So. Um, what that's, the hell? Hmm. The lights are going. Right oh now. my god! They're flickering. It's a horror movie. It's okay. We're on. I have battery backup for the laptop. Yay! But the mic will go. No! But at least we'll save the audio. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, in case uh, we apologize, we get a cut out, a little ledge flickering. Looks like we got a little storm going outside, so. Face is a storm. Yep. Um, Jesus. So, but like I said, with the indie movement, though, like, he's got another flick coming out soon, though, too, that kind of ties all this up, is um, he's got a new trilogy of horror films that he's about to launch. Um, one of them is called Tusk, starring um, Justin Long, and uh, it's his Canadian film about turning uh, a guy into a human walrus. That's supposed to be very interesting and Michael Parks was in it, who was uh, one of the main leads in Red State. Um, his big first horror flick he did um, as an independent. And, um, but uh, it sounds like he said it's going to be a lot more comical. Um, so I'm very curious to see where it's going to go. But he said out of that, he has a small short film that, well, longer scale short film um, that he's coming out called Yoga Hosers that's going to tie into that world and the universe. And then he's going to end it up with his final big part of this puzzle which is uh, his big, huge love and obsession is a movie that is also my obsession, which is uh, Jaws. And um, he wants to take that into a weird, twisted Canadian land. (laughs) So he said, what better way than to have a giant, evil, killer moose? So that movie's going to be called Moose. Do they play it with hockey sticks? Tell me they play it with hockey sticks. I really would love to see it. But yeah, it's going to be called Moose Jaws. Moose Jaws! That's his tentative title right now, but... um, Like the the maple leaf come running at it with with hockey sticks. (laughs) But going back to that first movie there, Tusk. Tusk. Talking about turning a guy into a walrus. Mm-hmm. Are they going to get Jamie Heineman to play the walrus? Oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, poor Jamie. He's already oh. a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably look at it and be like, no, I'm not going to do this picture. Well, He'd oh. <laughs> look at it and be like, fuck you guys. Like, the dude's well, got a good sense of humor on Mythbusters, but like, you see him doing interviews and it's just like, I hate this part of the job. I don't like I talking to people. Go away from me. <laughs> Well, you know, everybody says my beard looks like Waller's Tusk. I just don't see it. <laughs> Actually, it was pretty good. Um, but, you know, like, um, but you could say most of his have definitely become, um, I guess the best way you can put it is cult films. Oh, I just wanted to say with, um, yeah, with the cult films thing, like uh, Clerks and like Mallrats, I mean, they're, I kind of was, I guess we were thinking about it, like, what made them cult films? Like, what kind of, why do people flock to them, you know? Because I think it, it, it like, hits home with a certain part of, like, each person's personality that really likes it. Mm-hmm. Like, they can relate to it somehow. Yeah. I felt like, like it really attached to geek culture, too. I mean, they had so many nods to, mm-hmm. you know, jokes that, like, people just sitting around crack, you know? Yeah. Sitting around doing crack, crack. What? crack. <laughs> doing the crack. Doing the crack. I can really crack relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's not even just movies about like. Oh, oh, oh! oh. Wait. Okay, we're back up. So we got it. I'll right. cut it out. <laughs> oh, just give it three seconds. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I'll hear it. Yeah, okay. Just, yeah. just look at the laptop. You just see this dead air. Yeah. And then yeah. off again. What the hell was this? Is it even storming outside? Not really. It's weird. Uh, it's very weird. Okay. I understand okay. It. Oh, oh, God. Oh, 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 Shall we break for a second or two? Yeah. Why don't you save the file? Let's break yeah. for a few moments. I'm going to okay. check the board off and... and yeah. Yeah. Poops. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
The end of the world almost happened, but it didn't. So, so many storms! I saw and a rainbow outside, though. Was it a double rainbow? No. Double rainbow! <laughs> 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 so we were talking about, um, we were starting to discuss a little bit about cult flicks. And we were saying, what makes a good cult flick? Um, I think right before the, we lost power, though, Billy, you were asking a question about Tusk. Um, I was just asking if, you know... Jamie Heineman was going to be the walrus. Oh, that's right, that's right. But where did we leave off? We did that? talk about I think, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You all, you, did, you, you did your impersonation yeah. of Jamie. One thing I did notice though is actually because I made a huge list of like I went through and looked up a bunch of cult movies, and there's like a predominating thing with a lot of them is drugs. Drugs is actually that's actually a huge thing. That's a huge point. Another big one is music mm-hmm. or quotable lines. Like, American Psycho and Boondock Saints are infinitely quotable. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm saying, when you say quotable lines, the movie that comes to mind first is The Princess Bride. And that is on the list of cult movies. Inconceivable. Well, I have a, oh, another question, though, that goes into the lines with cult flicks. So we talked about Kevin Smith, and his movies are obviously just, they're just quotable. I mean, it's good dialogue. Like, Tarantino, mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff is very much the same way. That's cult, too, But, yeah. like, where does, like, some of the, even the blockbusters sit? To, like, do, like... People think like movies like Ghostbusters, would they consider them cult flicks? Ghostbusters, yes. Yes. Quotable lines. I, yeah. I guess not. Um, probably not at the time they were released, but I guess new generation. The first Ghostbusters. Yes. Yes, very much. It, it was very much a cult flick, oh, I believe. What? Mm-hmm. Not 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 Ghostbusters two, but he is Vigo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Ghostbusters two they gained enough popularity by that point where it was it, they're on like the cusp of of cult flick. Nowadays we look back on it as yeah, it's it's a cult flick because we grew up with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot like the like the or next generation, new, or the new generation, the new generation doesn't really never really grew up with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that that also goes back to one of the recipes for a cult movie is like they had a big budget but they mm-hmm. bombed in theaters. Okay. Really, that's like one of the recipes for a cult. Film usually yeah. like they're they're supposed to they're these grand films that never really went mainstream. So the the kind of culture that it took was the non mainstream culture. Those kind of people that, makes that sense. don't gravitate to like, mainstream movies. So all they, the alternative culture yeah. kind of glommed onto. Yeah, it. and where like they find their true niches in the the video. Like when it finally releases on back in our day on VHS. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh, the, yep. uh, I mean, like even going. You know, oddly to bring this back into Kevin Smith though I mean he even said a clear clear as day that a lot of cult films the, their theatrical releases where they bomb essentially be basically become the trailer for their DVD mm-hmm. like you get enough couple people talking about it because they saw it in the theater on random happenstance and they say mm-hmm. then it, when it hits DVD it's when it has its life of its own and, yeah it's not in no theaters digital. it's once it hits you know DVD or VHS then that's when it starts mm-hmm. yeah Betamax Laser disc. <laughs> <laughs> or the revival, you know, movie screenings like Rocky Horror, when mm-hmm. after it came out and it didn't do well, there were midnight screenings afterwards that people went to and people mm-hmm. dressed About up a, for Yeah, it. not even like a year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That just reminds me, I just have to plug this in, it is July 11th to the 13th. I live in Phoenixville, and they're having Blobfest. Yeah, the Blobfest, yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was so excited. I was That's driving really past awesome. the theater, it said Blobfest. I'm just like, oh, fuck yeah! yeah. The, yeah. the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville is where, where the, the blob broke out of. And um, 
Yep. We were talking about diners earlier, and the Downingtown Diner, they, they filmed a scene there. And that's the home of the blob. That's right down the street from us. It's less than five minutes away. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's... Um, I mean, we did bring up the fact that you were even saying, like, even movies that made it, like, had big budgets, though, and just bombed. It's also, sometimes it's just the really low-budget crap that become mm-hmm. cult flicks, though. Like, mm-hmm. look at Troma. Like, anything Troma Pictures has ever done, like, Toxic Crusader, Surf Nazis Must Die, Class of Newcomb High, mm-hmm. Tromeo and Juliet, like, they're definitely cult flicks. That's we- funny you mention that, because I thought no one's ever heard of Surf Nazis Must Die, ever. I thought I was the only <laughs> one who's seen that movie, and it's horrible but you can't stop watching it yeah you can't mm-hmm. um another occult like series that got picked up for a uh restart or re, re- what's the word revitalization i guess reboot yeah. was reboot was uh the evil dead series mm-hmm. yeah because we got a new new movie and and uh, some chin at the end yeah. <laughs> are, are they gonna do it the same way with like Evil Dead and then Evil Do Dead Two and then Evil and then Army of Darkness? Because um, the first Army of Darkness, that movie was badass. I was looking at Bill because he was being very quiet and something was stirring in my. It's not that he doesn't want to jump in. He's got a t- he's got a pun brewing. <laughs> He went, he went into the cadence. He went into the pun cadence. I'm sitting on it like a bad egg. <laughs> well, um, to actually answer that question, I think they were saying that, I mean, if you're a hardcore Evil Dead fan, um, they actually had a lot of nods saying that that was a continuation without coming out and saying it was a continuation. So it really left it up to people who would like, was it a reboot or was it like Evil Dead 4? Um, and there was enough there that it made it look like it was 4, so I think that what we're going to see is going to be a big departure. I I was really happy that they left one very very vital scene in there, the tree rape scene. Oh god! Oh no, that still scars me. Oh, I know. It's the so first time I saw up. that movie, I'm just like, I can never so look at the tree up. again. The same way again. With the, all the mention of reboot, that also brings up a cult TV show reboot, which is yeah. coming back. Wait, what? Really? Reboot's supposed to be coming back. Yeah, look at your eyes. I mean, I wish people could actually see your face Reboot right now. Reboot was the shit. It used to be on Toonami. Nobody what? remembers this show? No. I, I remember this. I remember Reboot. It had fantastic. It was just like crazy bad kind of CG. Bad CG. Oh my god, it was yeah. terrible CGI. It was it, amazing. It was made by Mainframe Entertainment. They had two shows. They had that and they had one that was about as equally remembered, which was Transformers, uh, Transformers Beast Wars. Yeah. Um, and they were all written by, both shows were written by comic book artists. Oh. Um, which is why they actually, everybody has such a huge affinity because they wrote them for a full wide audience instead of like that yeah. toy market. Um, and they did incredibly but great. But yeah, Reboot was another, cult. that was a cult so like show. With Reboot, are they planning on doing like the whole IT, the first troubleshooting step in IT? Did you try turning it off and turning it on again? <laughs> this sounds like what they're doing. Although it's kind of like, what, 15, 20 years now? I just loved looking across the table and get Lynch going just like quiet as like just looking and wondering if he could reach across and smack you without like not the table. Oh no, I just kind of checked out for like half a second there. <laughs> it wasn't a pun. I rage. He's like, reboot. Uh-huh. Reboot does not compute. <laughs> I feel like I Brain is now reboot. What? Oh, sorry. Have you saying. never seen Reboot? No, I feel like I should go sit in a <gasps> corner or something. Yeah, okay. to the corner with you! Um, it's actually up on Netflix. It is. Oh, sweet, I it's had Netflix. It's so worth watching. Me and Julie used to just sit there and quote it all the time. 
Oh, yeah. Away from the mic. I hate you, Mike. <laughs> um, why, do you, why, why do you hate people named Mike? <laughs> What's Mike ever done to you? I was going to say, that covered a huge gamut of our friends. I know, Jesus, so many. So, like, what was ever... Does everybody remember their first, like, movie that they, like, glommed onto that was, like, their cult movie? Like, oh, yes! Not, uh, not, yes. Not, that's not kids' movie. No, but that that is a huge cult movie. Like, oh, yeah. Labyrinth, Last Unicorn are yeah. all cult movies. Yeah, you just named mine right there. Oh, Labyrinth. Yeah. Labyrinth, Last Unicorn. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, I mean, when I was growing up, I was a huge Ghostbusters fan. But in my adult life, I really... Uh, I, I gotta say Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <gasps> that is a huge one. Um, I don't really remember what my first one was. Like, you didn't have, like, a VHS tape that you, like, wore the fuck out that had to buy a new copy. VHS tape! No, not real. Like, I watched, like, all the regulars, like, the usual stuff when I was a kid. I watched all the Disney stuff. I had Star Wars. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't like Labyrinth at all. (gasps) Blasphemy! Uh, but you love the last unicorn. I was too busy playing outside. <laughs> I was too. Outside. I wasn't. I read. <laughs> what's what's this thing you call outside? Right. Um. I guess like probably some money. Probably meaning of life. Ooh, that's yeah. a good one. Meaning of life's a great one. That is really. Monty of- Python's just a solid yeah. cult. Meaning oh, yeah. of life or like Life of Brian. Life of yeah. Brian was really good. Yeah, those were great. And Mel Brooks stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this stuff's all culty, too. History of the World, part one. Oh, yeah. Like, everything. Oh, yeah. Um, I gotta say, probably for me, like, mine's kind of a weird mix. Mine's actually, um, I gotta say, it was probably anything from Back to the Future, but I think, really, it was Goonies or the Monster Squad. They Monster were, Squad! They were, like, huge movies for me, and they blew up in the later years. I mean, like, they really got a lot bigger. And you and you had lots of experience with Rocky Horror, too. Oh, God, I have oh, to yeah. Make... Oh, yeah. <laughs> too many I years. hate you, Mike. <laughs> too many years with Rocky Horror. I mean, it's a great flick, but it was cool to see like things like Repo like get that kind of same cult status very quickly. And, I mean, I think it's... What was odd about Repo um, was they built their film to become a cult flick, um, which I think kind of lessens it a little bit. As much as I enjoy it, when you're... Cult films happen because... That's what the audience chooses for it. I totally agree with you, actually. And that's kind of what... You talk about Repo, the genetic... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Because I I saw that, and I thought they were trying too hard to fit into that cult genre or something. And that kind of turned me off from the movie, just because I'm like, just do your thing and let it happen Mm -hmm. naturally, like all the other movies, you know? But that's just my thing. No, I understand that. There was too much singing. I love singing! (laughs) There was too much Paris Hilton. Uh, her face did fall off in the movie, though. It so did. that was, was okay. pretty awesome. That's true, but still, I just like I don't want to see. See, for you. me, I really enjoyed the movie, but it didn't really have like a lasting thing for me. Where a lot of the cult ones, you still glom onto them like forever and ever had, later. Yeah, it had a song or two that like stuck with you, but yeah, beyond but those but songs, it fades, yeah, it was like, like a phase. phase. It's a phase. Yeah. 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 And that's not how a cult mm-hmm. thing works. A cult thing permeates. It sticks with you forever. Yeah. It was, that was something that they built into that idea of that brand was they were building it as that. But like, it's different, than, it's different yeah. than something like a movie like the movie, like Troll 2, which is one of the oh shittiest God. movies oh in the world. Oh my God, it's horrible. <laughs> but that became it because people were like, look at how horrible this movie is, which is another end of cult flicks. Like movies that are just 
not even just memorable because you love them as a kid, but because they were so bad, everybody's like, we have to watch them. They fall into the uh, the MST3K slash Riff Tracks uh, realm of cult. Cool. Yeah, Troll Classics. 2 takes the cake for that new bug is goblins spelled backwards. <laughs> That's like the turning point of the movie. Okay. Leprechaun 4. Oh. Wait, what? Leprechaun 4. Leprechaun oh, in space. No, I was just like, oh, really? That was really? painful. We watched yeah. that last year, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. For the mo- the horror movie nights? It was pretty yeah. rough. That was really rough. And we blamed Rob for all of our hatred and sadness. I said I was doing... He picked it out. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I plan the every us. every year. Um, we we have uh, I think we're going into year six or seven now. Yeah. Um, that we have our horror movie Sundays. Yeah, horror movie Sundays in every Sunday in October. And last year I said, okay, I'm gonna come up with a really bad day. And they're like, what's the day gonna be? I'm like, horror in space. So there's not a lot of great options. And then Horizon. Um, Amazing. We, we, we did, did it a, a few years, years prior, and oh. we don't do repeats. Yeah. So it was Jason X. So Friday the Thirteenth in space. And uh, Leprechaun 4, Leprechaun in Space, which was uh, bad Both. mistakes. I, th- I I thought Jason X was bad. And, and then, then you then saw... I saw Leprechaun 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Changed your mind. I thought people were going to kill oh. me that day. Oh. <laughs> Rem- um, remind me to make sure my schedule's booked for October s- Sundays. <laughs> we actually, we usually actually come up with some really awesome nights. We've had some really great ones come out of it. Have you done the host yet? The host, the the Korean host, like the good host. No, uh, I thought you were talking yeah, about not. the. No, not the not the shitty American one. Yeah, I thought the, this was like oh, I the that. Korean monster movie, the host. No, we I'll have to that. Maybe yeah. I'll, maybe it's I'll do really good. Uh, maybe I'll do a horror from overseas night this year. Um, if you could maybe put together like a let's bring someone who doesn't like horror into liking horror. He did that with me. Nights. These movies or the horror movie nights. I used to not like horror. Mm-hmm. And I got really into it after doing the horror movie Sundays. And I can tell you, there's two movies from the last couple of years that we watched that everybody glommed onto and loved. Drag Me to Hell from Sam Raimi, which yeah. is very much kind of feels, has that same vibe of Evil Dead. But mm-hmm. one of the other ones that was really fantastic was the movie called The Descent. Oh, so good. And that was, was really excellent. good. Um, um, trick or Treat, too. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Amazing. That is a cla- That's actually that is a, cult a cult flick. It is. Every yeah. Halloween, you have to watch that. Oh, my God. It's mandatory. Yeah. It's, I can it's, watch it over and over and over and yeah. over again. It, Little pumpkin child creature. Oh, thing. the cutest oh thing God. ever. What is it called? Sam Sam, 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 Sam Hain. Yeah, the most adorable. He's the most adorable it's killer oh. ever. It looks like Sackboy. Sackboy. It does. It's Sackboy is a little killer. Most, most of the time, I find horror movies to be boring, so I don't watch like all the movies that you talk about. I have one to introduce you to that you will just laugh your ass off because it's great. It's called Ginger Dead Man. Gary Busey is a killer gingerbread man. It's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> it's totally I, I need to watch this already. <laughs> yes. And uh, we did watch a Japanese horror a couple years ago, which was uh, Frankenstein Girl versus Vampire Girl. Oh, yeah, those that... My God. Those, uh, I forget what, what production company does, does it, <laughs> but those people are amazing it's so good. at is making it? terrible movies. Yes. You need to watch that. I need to watch that. It's Bill, so did you, good. I thought you had your hand up a second. No, oh. no. Oh, I did when okay, because I'm a, I'm a pussy and I admit it. I love horror, but I can't stand gore. Okay, I can't. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird because like I can't even watch the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Oh, yeah, and I know movie. it's so Good fake. Movie. I understand, but it's something about the '80s. The '80s just glorified in that. Yeah, you know, let's make true. those gross people out. Because you know? yeah. practical, practical effects, man. Like that's yeah, it's that's what like, gets it. Because like when it's yeah, when zombies are ripping out innards and they look like human innards. Yeah, you're gonna react. But like when you see something that's CG based. 
it's the uncanny valley of it. It's like mm-hmm. you disconnect very quickly. Oh yeah, it's just like that doesn't faze me because I know it's not real. But yeah. when it kind of feels looks yeah, yeah more visceral yeah. So like when we do these horror nights, I just maybe like give us an synopsis like okay, this has gore in it. Yeah, this yeah, doesn't yeah. have gore in it, so we gore, can plan no our gore. nights. You know? Silly, not silly. Yeah. I have no problem with gore. Well, yeah, I watch just... I watch both human centipedes. Oh, oh I talking can't, about I can't, pooping I in mouth. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so gonna go bad. cry in a corner if you need me. Seriously, oh, I could not watch those. Oh, I tried. The first one was it, it had the shock value, but it was the second one was just oh god, it was it just wasn't even like I, a, a, like, I heard it was just weird. Um, anywhere in the realm of like good movie or like a movie, which yeah, is funny. So sad. Yeah, which is really funny too because one of the other writers on the site, Ash Rose, uh, our friend Adrian. Um, has a seriously horrible problem with gore, but she like was like, I already watched Human Centipede too, and I'm like, no. what? What really? <laughs> I'm like, no. because there really wasn't any gore in it. No, it's true. they're not. It's just, they're, yeah, they're just they're situational. It's like psychologically disturbing. Yes, yeah, it's okay. it's not in the vein of things like torture porn, but there's mental ideas behind it. Yeah, Mm-mm. it's. <laughs> If it's something that's going to make me need to take a shower after watching it, not doing it. Yup, it's it will. I had to stop it because it got too much for me. I can't deal with anything tortury. I can deal with gore if it's in monster movies for some reason because I look at that and I go, okay, it's obviously not there, real. Yeah, They're there's monsters. the disconnect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, zombie movies, fucking love. I can deal with that gore because it's like, okay, it's zombies ripping people apart, whatever. But... When it's like people torturing people, and this was people torturing people. The downside of being an empath. Can't do it. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm like, look at this, I'm out. <laughs> the upside of having no emotions. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, how do you, where do you, so are you, do you just not watch you horror? I, no, I don't watch horror. Yeah. I can't stand being scared. Okay. So I, I don't like to be scared, and I avoid horror films because of that. Um. I actually, you know, what, some of the best movies you can sit down and watch because they are they they made them so campy was actually Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Like the first one is the first one that take, is the only one that takes itself somewhat seriously, but even still, there's a huge like twist to it through the whole thing. But I mean, that one has like the whole idea that Freddy was the child molester and stuff like that. But they they break away from that idea very heavily by two, and it went on through nine more films, and the character became more goofy and campy, like you know. Um, I got. I'll put it this way. Have you seen Supernatural? No. Oh. Um, well, I gotta say, like, that's not a horror show per se. It's you know, Supernatural TV show, blah. But like that, I found the first season of Supernatural scarier than most horror movies. Well, maybe maybe I should put it this way: um, horror movies that happen to try to shock you into being scared. I are really like what I try to avoid. I do too. Films yeah. like Silence of the Lambs. So good though. It's so good. <laughs> um, Especially if you've read the book. Psych- <laughs> psychological horror. Psychological I'm not a fan thriller. Of that I enjoy thriller, more yes. because it gets into your head, it makes you think, it really kind of puts you in the in the seat of one of these characters instead of just, you know, somebody you know, appearing really quickly, ah and just trying to scare you. That the, the paranormal <laughs> activity style of or, oh, I hate that. I still have yet to see any of those. I not. saw like five minutes of one and I totally was bored. That reminds me. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh okay. Uh, what? I heard, I saw pointing. Oh, uh, uh, what? I just want to make sure Tim got back to his point. Oh, what point? What was your you, point, you were saying, sir? You were saying par- uh, paranormal activity points. Yeah, the 
the I was just making a common point between like the shock horror and mm-hmm. the, oh, like, the paranormal act, like the paranormal activity style of, of like shock horror. I just don't like. I don't like that like filmy type too, where like it's just like, the, like the like that tunnel vision sort of handheld. Oh my god, the stupid handheld camera, the shaky camera oh, bullshit. Blair Witch Project. I fucking hate it. Hold yeah. the beginning of the quote found footage movement, which is just Ugh. awful. There was fucking one terrible. done okay though, Cloverfield. I still haven't right. seen it. I'm and Chronicle. Know. Everybody said Chronicle was beautiful. Chronicle was good. Chronicle. I didn't see Chronicle. Cloverfield, I, I liked it the first time I watched it, and I haven't wanted to see it since. Quarantine was fucking terrible. That was the Oh my god, I remember that. It was like, and then they tried the shock monster at the yeah. end thing, and it's through the handheld well, fucking okay. thing. And Speaking it's... of handheld, what I thought was done well, because it wasn't the entirety of the film, was, going back to it, The Descent. Yes. Because there was moments where it's all handheld, but it wasn't all the time, so yes. it was just like... Actually, made, it made it feel more real that way. Mm-hmm. The sense. Descent was very, like, it was creepy, but so well done. Oh, yeah. Still haven't seen The Descent. It's really Honestly, you would love it. Really I would it. say you would yeah. probably really love it because it's smart. They don't, like, go for shock value at any point in time. It's just a good horror movie start to finish. Well, and there was background good. to all the characters. They have backstories, too, which is yeah. great. It felt realistic. Yeah. I yeah. loved that. I like that the uh, cult film discussion has turned into a horror movie. <laughs> because a lot of the horror movies <laughs> are cult films. That's, so that's where a lot of that idea of started. It's like a lot of those cult films came out of old horror films. Mm-hmm. Like, Not so true. Can I just put a plug in real quick just because it's I've been I've always been geeking out about it. It yeah. is cult horror films. One of them is called Them with an exclamation point. Yep. <laughs> 1954 about the giant fucking radioactive ants. I remember seeing a picture on your Facebook wall one time, and I went, "Is that them in the background?" Yeah, awesome. them. The day of the triffids. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, yeah, like all there was a lot of great stuff from back then, like the late oh, 50s, yeah. like going to early 60s, like kitschy, like post World War II stuff. It's fantastic. Well, that's yeah. like if you want to get into horror, I say start with the classics, you know, and build from that. Nah. I mean, no, it's fun to watch. It's not really scary, but I'll, it's just more. It's I'll more be honest. I remember trying to sit down a group of people, and like one of my favorite old cult films from way back when, before zombies became a huge thing, was the original Night of the Living Dead. The Romero. <gasps> so good. Yeah. I've sat people down in a room to try to watch that, and thirty to forty minutes into that movie, people were like were like gung ho to want to watch it, and they all were like, "This is boring as fuck." Like, you were one of them? I uh, totally probably. They're like, this is people sitting in a house complaining and bitching. And I'm like, the whole movie's about survival, <laughs> yeah. not about the apocalypse. The zombie yeah. apocalypse. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, like, if you go back, like, I spent a couple of nights, like, last last Halloween, like, watching The Bride Frankenstein mm-hmm. and um, the original Mummy with Boris Karloff. Oh, so and those movies are short. I mean, like, they're an hour and 20 minutes. But a lot of uh, the ways that movies are made now, they don't hold your attention the same way. They really don't. That's true. Like, if you, if you saw them as a child, it's, like, that same idea. It's that something that you have a different viewpoint of. But, like, if you, like, we, you know, we ran into it last year. We had um, one of our friends, Amanda. Um, what's, what did she write? Um, what's her name on the website? You mean Gallifrey X? Gallifrey X. Yeah. Um, Maybe. Maybe. So, she saw Star Wars for the first time, like, two years ago. And she was like, I don't understand this. Like, this is, like, she, I understand the plot of it, but she's like, I can't get into it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, that's in general, I mean, like that kind of breeds into the, another big, huge point, which is, um, because what, basically. what makes the, the cult, cla- the cult classic films is the fandom. Well, not yeah, even, yeah. actually before that though, Yeah, yeah. a lot of times yeah. though, it's how it's built, which is the marketing. And like, I know Bill actually wanted to talk a little bit about 
the the viral marketing end of a lot of that stuff okay on how that actually kind of can change a viewpoint it there's a lot of viral marketing happening nowadays and and people are trying to force that viral marketing to happen instead of it just happening naturally and the big way they're forcing it to happen happen is with the kind of alternate reality games or just alternate reality in general what brought it up for me was the recent uh, trailer for the latest uh, Hunger Games movie, Mockingjay, mm-hmm. which was kind of like an advertisement for the Capitol and keeping the whole nation of Panem as one. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't a trailer for the movie. It was kind of Capitol propaganda. The culture, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which directed you to a website to sign up for a mailing list. And it's it's really kind of light on the, the kind of gaming aspect. Um but in terms of that, it's the 10th anniversary of I Love Bees, which, if you remember, when Halo 2 was first announced, they had a whole trailer for Halo 2, and at the very end, they kind of flashed this website, ilovebees.com, which led you to the website, which was kind of being taken over by some virus or something that was, was getting it into bumblebees? it. Bumblebees? It was, a, there was a site about bumblebees, but it was actually a rogue AI that was taking over the website. I'm sorry, I just have to interject just because you said bees and I thought of cat. Just remember the wicker man with Nick Cage? Not the bees! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> stupid face. Oh my god, just, that scene cracked me up. I, I don't really know much about commercials because my commercials are five seconds long before I hit skip. It's <laughs> <laughs> not even That's that so though. True. Like, they've built them into a lot of things though. Like, um, like you've focused, like, Ellen, and looked at things like E3 and all. Like, a lot of that stuff stems out of that, not even from there, but, like, movies. And it's just hearing things that are happening on the internet, like, just having your finger to the pulse. Like, one of the huge ones that they did was, uh, uh, I remember very clearly, that was hit, like, that same, like, mass point as the I Love Bees campaign. Like, that was kind of building up more of the idea and the story of Halo. Um, Dark, the Dark Knight. That yeah, was intense on how they did that. And we actually had one of our friends, uh, Kibru, uh, which is Kevin, uh, our artist who does a lot of writing on the site, um, actually... You know, got involved in that a little bit. He did that scavenger hunt thingy that yeah. happened in like Philly, right? They basically did something. I was saying is if you could find these specific Batman symbols or Joker symbols throughout cities, people were starting to put up GPS coordinates on maps. Mm-hmm. Wow! And as yeah. that was happening, they were releasing pixel by pixel by pixel the very first image of Heath Ledger as the Joker, mm-hmm. and they did it so many that they had like it was like a couple thousand GPS tags. And every time one got uploaded, Warner Brothers released a pixel of the image. And that's when we first saw that traditional look where you saw the big red scar across the face and Mm -hmm. the black background with the washed out eyes. But after they did that, though, they even brought it up and said, okay, now here's the next part. Here's this huge scavenger hunt that people in all of these different cities across the world have to get involved in. Mm -hmm. And once that happened, it would all get them to meet up at one key point. And he ended up staying outside... At like I think it was like seven or eight in the morning yeah. by like a warehouse or no it was at night it was like at seven o'clock eight o'clock at night by this rundown little warehouse in Philadelphia and there was a whole bunch of fans like Batman fans there and they showed them the trailer on the side of the building before it hit online and yeah. the movie did amazing like that's fucking cool that, yeah that's yeah. pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah and the the best part you know the the whole thing about getting these viral marketing campaigns and these kind of alternate reality games where they're getting the whole world to interact with them is is getting that interaction is you get the fans kind of inspired and, and passionate about what's coming out yeah. and working together as a team to make things happen. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think part of the problem nowadays is that there are so many websites out there that are focused on the clickbait to like to generate that next viral media. Yeah, well, it's like, just it's like it's hurting the the whole like viral scene. And the other big thing about this is you've got to be on the pulse. You've got to be there when it starts because it's over in an instant. It's over in about two to three months. So if you hear about it two, three weeks late, you're already, you know, off the game and, and it's yeah. kind of hard to participate. Well, I mean, it can also be damaging to brands, though, too. Like, if you think about this, like, one of the big moves everybody's still kind of talking about very heavily is um, the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Horrible mm-hmm. title, by the way. Um, <laughs> but one of the biggest mistakes is that movie's not coming out for two years. And they're already slowly, here's your little trickle of stuff. We have another year and, like, nine months of that crap. Yeah. Like, we got, like, here's your first shot of Henry Cavill as Clark Kent. A week later, here's your first shot of him in the costume. You know, San Diego Comic-Con, I guarantee you're going to, like, here's Gal Gadot as um, Wonder Woman. And as yeah. when, in normal street clothes as Diana Prince. And then, like, we know, like, Jason Momoa is Aquaman. And, like, we're going to get all of that crap for a year. And then, like, and it's going to be, when that's all on, here's your teaser trailer. And by the time the movie comes out, you're going to be so sick and tired of that. That you it's won't even fucking care. it's yeah. doing it at the right time, like when you're getting closer. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. the MPAA is even getting involved in that shit now, where they're like, you can only put a trailer out for your movie six months before the movie to start your marketing now. Like, they're saying that's going to go into effect this year. Really? And they said you're going to have each studio is allowed to have three exceptions for three films per year, and if they break that rule, their thrill trailers will not play. Holy shit! That's so nuts. they said, and it, I think they even have a special <laughs> window for that. It's like you can have your teaser like. A year before, but it can it can only be X amount of time. And they said even normal trailers now are going to also be cut down. They said they're not going to be allowed to be over a minute and 30 or, like, two minutes. Like, no more four-minute trailers anymore. Like well, The four-minute trailer takes all the best parts of a movie, yeah. condenses it into four minutes, and you say, okay, I've seen these four minutes. Oh, I really don't know if I need to see the movie now. <laughs> yeah. Super bad. Ender's <laughs> 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 game. I loved Super Bad. <laughs> All the funny parts were in the trailer. That's with a lot of comedies. They take like only the best bits, and then well, I mean, obviously because it's the trailer. But then like you go see the movie, and you're like, wow, the rest of it. That was the only good parts of the movie. But it's cool. So disappointing. Yeah, I mean, and I will say, like for viral marketing, like there was like three really big ones that hit like in the last like two years uh, that I can remember really clearly. I, apparently, like, I Love Bees 2 is coming up. Oh. And they're talking about that. That's going to be involved with Halo 5 to an extent. There's been rumblings of that getting, getting activated. And, but, um, there were, there was, um, two, I don't know if people saw the, uh, the internet videos of them that were going around. There was one for the remake they did of Rosemary's Baby. And it was the demonic baby carriage that was radio controlled going through streets. And where it was a parked baby carriage in the middle of, like, a London street. And you heard baby crying. And people walked up to it, and then it was a spring-loaded demonic baby that popped out. Oh, my God. And then, but then it could they actually had somebody controlling it, and it was chasing people down the street. Like, that was amazing. Wait, do they have video of this? Yeah, it's all over the place. I need to watch I know. This. That's fantastic. The same company, I think about two months later, I guess there was a release of one of the Chucky films. I, I know they did another one recently, uh, the Child's Play movies, mm-hmm. uh, where they had, um, uh, like, you know, like the normal bus stop yeah. ads? Mm-hmm. And they had the lights behind it flicker, but it was a deep ad. And the lights behind the ad kept flickering out. And then all of a sudden, all of the lights in that kiosk shut off, and they came back up. 
And everybody's like, what's going on? And then a person dressed as Chucky darted out of the fake glass. Oh, my God. <laughs> and was chasing yeah. people around the street. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of that's awesome. pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool version of... Uh, and then they kept on doing it. And doing it. Oh, really? And doing it, yeah. And doing it. It's just, it's it's lost. It, it, it lost its feeling, but like the Rosemary's Baby yeah. one was the first big one ever. Like, that was amazing. And then, yeah. like, within a month and a half, that same ad company did another one, and everybody oh, was like, we already saw that. Yeah, come on, people. But my favorite, hands down, was when Walking Dead Season 2 was about to air. They actually had somebody shot a zombie walking down Sydney, Australia streets. And people were like, okay, it's somebody dressed as a zombie. And somebody shot him? <laughs> That'd be funny, but it, it's getting there actually. Um, so you wa- watch the cameraman follow the zombie into a movie theater, and there is an ad playing for The Walking Dead, and everybody starts seeing as this ad's happening, this zombie stumbling down the aisleways of this movie theater, and there's a point where Rick reaches out with his gun and aims and shoots, and the zombie has squibs go off in his chest. It's aimed directly at him no at the theater, way. and he drops down dead. And then it was just The Walking Dead shows up on screen. Everybody's like, that was amazing. That's pretty fucking cool. Like, that's pretty that, cool. That is a cool way to do viral That sounds market. like the best part of the entire series. <laughs> 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 hey, hey, I like The Walking Dead. I gave up about a season and a half ago. I'll yes. up. Uh, I gave up in season three where nothing happened. <laughs> that's what I gave up too. It's the mayor stuff. I heard season four got really good. An entire season of nothing, and the payoff at the end was more nothing. nothing. Is it turning into Lost by any chance? Because no, I don't know. No, they're they're, oh. they're actually they're actually killing off the entire main cast and starting off with a whole new cast again. What? No, they're no. a spinoff it's, show. <laughs> That's how they're doing it's kind of funny. It's how they, you know, how Chris Hardwick was approaching it in, in the Talking Dead. You know, it was a season five preview, and <laughs> what we had seen at the end of season four was that Rick and his gang were all trapped inside this uh, train car, and they were like, "So, what's going to happen with them? Oh well, yeah, maybe we could just uh, kill them off and start with a whole new cast." <laughs> kind of, you know, dealing with the internet rumors. Oh, internet rumors. But the cool thing is that, like, ultimately, though, a lot of this stuff, though, is sometimes, while it can hurt a property, at the same time, it creates amazing fandoms, though. It really does. And that was, like, one of the next things we wanted to really get into is, like, um, kind of fandoms as a whole, but more very specifically, though, the BBC fandoms. Like, because there's a lot of BBC fandoms. Like, think about it. Top Gear. No. No, no. Oh, no. No, no. I'm I'm a little late on my... It's about more more along the lines of BBC fandoms, which is... Uh, oh, shame. Shame. <laughs> but they've got some good stuff there. Think about I Jekyll, amazing. Luther, amazing. The Musketeers, Coupling, Sherlock, um, Skins, Merlin, Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, and like I said, again, Top Gear is one of the ones that really brought a lot of attention to them. Um, it's kind of appropriate that, you know, the BBC is driving these fandoms because... We, we, you know, looking back in the history, the origin of the fandom kind of started with Sherlock Holmes. And when, when, you know, about after a few years after Sir Arthur Conan Doyle started writing Sherlock Holmes, people started writing their own fan fictions and their own stories about Sherlock Holmes. Like, you know, like. Sherlock Holmes and the squeeing of the Baskervilles. And- <laughs> <laughs> I think they were a bit more, you know, proper than that. Um, yeah. I'm, sucks I'm, off Sherlock. Like Detective yeah. Conan. Detective Conan's been going since, like, the 1800s, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, I mean, even, you know, they were so passionate back then that, you know, 1893, when 
Sir Arthur Conan Doyle said, I'm sick and tired of writing about Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to throw him off a cliff and he's dead. People rioted in the streets saying, no, this can't happen. Bring back Sherlock Holmes. Oh my gosh, that's, amazing. that's fantastic. And yeah. it's so everybody, if you have a problem with, with any fanboyisms and fangirlisms, you know exactly who the fuck to blame now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go right it back all goes to back where to him. Yeah, you go right back to where everything, everything that has any meaning or any purpose, go right back to the British. They give yeah. us everything. They've given the world everything. <laughs> <and> Take <laughs> it away. <laughs> hey, oh, hey. We gave Japan baseball. <laughs> yeah, but the Brits gave us cricket, which we turned into rounders, and then we turned into baseball. So oh, therefore, shit. the British gave Japan baseball. Oh my god! Oh. I don't. Really I think care it is. Funny. <laughs> Given the origins, though, I think it's hilarious how huge um, the new incarnation of Sherlock is because that has exploded. It also doesn't help that you know the Benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock Holmes. I think that helps a lot. That's true. I still don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't. I get think it. he's a good actor. I, I think he's a great actor. No I agree. He's a great actor. I don't. I. I don't fangirl over him. So though. I'm yeah. the only one here that finds Benedict Cumberbatch disgustingly attractive. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah, I would. I would give up everything in a heartbeat to be with him. Well, I mean, like, look, I mean, like, I, I will put it this way. Like, I know a lot of people will bitch and moan, and, like, I know people have varying different viewpoints on, like, like, you know, like, the big issue for a lot of people was, like, Tom Hiddleston and seeing stuff like that. Yeah. I don't find the guy attractive, but I will say this. The guy's an incredibly talented actor. I've seen yeah. him in a lot of Benedict other things. Benedict Cumberbatch is incredibly talented. I mean, he really, like, he does Sherlock Holmes so well. It's a, it just sounds really British. <laughs> he embraces the character very well. He does. He's, He's that, a uh, phenomenal that actor. That scatterbrained sort of mm-hmm. personality. Um, oh, Yeah. But I think a lot of that, though, too, is, like, a big difference between American TV and, BB, uh, like, stuff from the BBC. Like, you look at a lot of the cast. If you take, like, the lineup from all the shows that are happening on the BBC and just have, a, you know, a lineup against the wall, not a lot of them are, like, traditionally attractive people. It's true. It's just the fact that they're that good of actors, though, they're that are getting... British. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're chosen for being good actors versus, like, right. lost, which We're is in the, awesome. In the States, we're like, you're a pretty person, and you look like you, you, you just, like, we found you walking down, like, you Hollywood open your mouth. Oh, yay. And and you are some lines. Yeah. You yeah. can't act your, wet, act your way out of a wet, wet paper bag. Yeah, it's a lot of that. But, like, the BBC, like, you know, like, um, we recently got to watch um, The Musketeers, the new one on BBC. Oh, my oh, God. I love it it's so much. So good. It I is. found out why I love it so much. Why? It's a western. It is. It mm. really is. Oh my god! Even the opening uh, song has yeah. a western vibe to it. <gasps> I and need to see they're this. They're all wearing leather. Oh my god! It's just it's phenomenal. Costume is amazing. The costume is amazing. Excellent. Characters are excellent, and the whole thing plays out like an old school, like very classic nineteen like fifties to nineteen seventies classic western. Yeah, cla- yeah. It's very... Except in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> yes. See, it's, like. Awesome. I'm like, I have this big kind of like lady boner for yeah. uh, spaghetti westerns. Okay, you will. Adore. You would love you would the Musketeers. Love this. It is so good, and they really capture like the spirit of the Musketeers. I mean, I loved seeing um, D'Artagnan is not annoying and played by Chris whatever. Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Robin. Robin. 
<laughs> fucking hate that actor so much. No, ever, ever since Batman Robin. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. He's an abortion <laughs> No, he month. fucked it up in like, Batman Forever first. Let's, oh, let's be honest. Oh, okay, I totally forgot. And yes, he yes. fucked it up. As, I mean, where hasn't he fucked it up, let's be honest? Yeah. Like, he was okay in, in the Max Payne movie, if anybody even like remembers him from the Max Payne I movie. I forgot there was a Max Payne movie. Also, oh, that was, oh, it was Mark Wahlberg. Oh, so, Mark Wahlberg. It's Marky also, Mark. too. What's that? K2. He wasn't terrible in K2. I didn't see K2. Oh, okay, I do remember K2. Okay. I got it. It was it was a good movie. It's like, hey, Cliff Harrington came out and we need to do a movie kinda similar. K2! <laughs> AKA almost the exact same yeah, movie. Pretty much. <laughs> Merlin had a really big following too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like It was fun. Was, it was a good family that, show. Yeah, it was. And I mean I love that BBC does like like they base a lot of historical or like you know they just dry drop like let's go over Merle Arthur in legend again let's like rehash Sherlock also I'm just saying like I when I first started Merlin I was like yeah Merlin because I love the mythology yeah just throw all, everything you know about Arthurian legend out the oh, window yeah. before they watching Merlin thing. they totally make it their which own is thing, cool. which is really fun because yeah. I mean you look at it like the story's been done five billion times yeah it's time to reinvent it and you know what I mean considering the mythology and the history no one really knows what really happened, so mm-hmm. they kind of just put their own spin on it, which is yeah. great. I'm just like, yeah, originality, it. go. John Hurt is the dragon. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to be the Debbie Downer of the group. <laughs> I did not like Merlin. That's fine. most of the other BBC shows people I go nuts him. about. Nerf like, him. I don't like Sherlock. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like Doctor... I hate Doctor... Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate Doctor Who. I just... You hate the fan reaction I hate, for Doctor Who. I hate the, the fan boner that everyone gets over Doctor Who. Our raging hard-ons are smacking oh, yeah. you in the face. And everyone's like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. And they're like, here, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. I'm like, okay, I watched it. Um, I don't... You've been why? smacked with the Doctor Who boner it's, times. It's okay. I'll watch it. <laughs> if it's on and there's nothing else that I'm doing, I'll watch it. But it's not this masterpiece that everyone in the fandom is like, "Oh my god, I got like this ten inch boner for it." Um, oh, that, 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 I mean, that's the problem with with some fandoms is that people get so gung ho about it. It's the whole it's it's the penis principle. It's great that you have one, but don't whip it out and shove it in my face just because you love it so much. But I wanna. <laughs> I want to show you my love for my show. My throbbing heart. I mean, like, <laughs> that's the weird thing, especially if you think about like the last 15 years. Like, fandom existed, mm-hmm. but it was very much behind a, a very thick curtain in a very dimly lit room that was about two by two. Yeah. And if you creeped yeah. out of it, everybody hit you with baseball bats to go back in that door. Covered in neck beards. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. But, but I mean, now the internet. But, I mean, uh, that's a big thing is, like, you know, like, now there's a place for everybody to talk about it and be very engaged about it, which is a great thing. And I think that's the the great thing about that we forget as much as sometimes it really can kill fan bases. At the same time, though, it inspires people to create things similar and create new experiences and that people can connect to. horrifying like, fan pairings. Like, oh. if, <laughs> if people didn't love the kind of stuff that is, like, been, like, was not very in vogue way back when... Mm-hmm. Um, especially like even sci-fi realms. Sci-fi was not a huge pop culture thing, with the exception of like when Star Trek was running, yep. or when Star Wars, the original Star Wars, was out. But right. like, you know, think about really, really. I'm, th- I'm saying as widely accepted. <laughs> like, say if you're in the late '80s, early '90s, if you're in school and you're like, "Oh, I love this sci-fi stuff," and I'm I know all these things young, about these characters, Rob. 
Everyone would beat you and call you we're a nerd. The whole exception that was Star Wars, because we everybody nerd. loved. Star Wars. Okay, but I'm saying outside Star of that, it. like if you're like I, if you sat there and talked Dune or like Dune it, or Star Trek, even I mean Star Trek was Star still Trek a little yeah, kind of like still pretty uh, heavy. like or if you're like Hey, Babylon Five was amazing last night. I'm like, oh god, come on, dude, shut up. I don't care. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like so, well, BSG was I think came was came around when that was starting to go away. But I mean, if you really think about a lot of that stuff, though, like. If that didn't get really huge again, well, even the old, well, I'm saying the new BSG. The no, we're the old school. The old one. One. Oh yeah, the that old was around one was the around when all the other ones were. Yeah. But I mean, like, if that stuff wasn't as in vogue now, we wouldn't have gotten an amazing one season of Almost Human. Um, mm. You know, I, we wouldn't have gotten that awesome reboot well, of BSG. I mean, well, the the problem with with sci-fi is that it's trying to get its its feet again. Because for most of its life, it existed in book form, and mm-hmm. that was the only format that could probably mm-hmm. properly portray the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'm still surprised BBC has not done a big sci-fi show yet. Have they not? I don't think so. Not that I can really recall. Besides for Doctor Who, yeah, Doctor, Doctor, um, yeah, Doctor Who is sci-fi, oh, Rob. Yeah. That is like quintessential sci-fi. I think the last couple seasons kind of made me feel more like it was just this. this Family show more than anything else. It, it, it always a, was a family yeah. show. Yeah, I mean from the get go. Yeah, I mean yeah. I, well, actually, <laughs> they, did, they did other things too, like Primeval and stuff like that. That, that too. Yeah, I'm they wrong. Sci-fi. Sorry. That's another problem I have with Doctor Who. The episodes that I've watched, it's not about the science fiction. It's more about the character interactions, mm-hmm. which is a bit. And the science fiction is why well, I call it sci-fi without the the, the science fiction. Because I'm I'm coming from the school of of Asimov, yeah, Heinlein, Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke. <laughs> it's not a hardcore science fiction yeah. show. It it's is not. focused on those character interactions, and the sciencey stuff is just kind of like, oh, kinda, the doctor does this and it works. Icing yeah. on the cake, yeah. It, and that's my problem with it being it being called a science fiction show. It's like it's like why why I don't like Orphan Black. Because everybody who's tried to get me to watch Orphan Black is like, "Oh, it's science fiction. You'll love it. It's this. It's this wonderful, it's like, not hard wa- wonderful science fiction drama that you'll 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 dig." And it's like, "Oh, the science fiction is clones. It's really almost more of a science reality, yeah. you know, than science fiction." Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same actually with the fantasy genre. It does a similar thing. Um, urban fantasy. Yeah. For example, would kind of be fantasy light. There's, mm-hmm. if you go to book genres, there's hard sci fi and soft sci fi. I mean, well, they don't call it soft sci fi, but that's the implication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> it makes me soft. <laughs> but, um, it's the same thing with fantasy. There is epic fantasy, mm-hmm. which is what people think of like Tolkien esque, like the big. Your, your high fantasy. High fantasy, yes. And then there's like urban fantasy, contemporary fantasy. There's like other subcultures with that. And I think. Yeah. Anyone who is looking, so you're kind of looking for hard sci-fi, same as someone who is looking for, like, epic fantasy or high fantasy would be really disappointed if they got an urban fantasy piece, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's that's my problem is because there's no, in, in the science, sci-fi world, there's no real differentiation between the the various sub-genres. Especially, like, there are books, but not in TV and movies yeah. as much. Well, there's no, they like, the, really... there's no, like, defined genre, like... Like, we have urban fantasy, we have high fantasy, we have yeah. contemporary fantasy. We don't have anything in science fiction, like, that word, that moniker for it. It's true. I mean, all you have is hard sci-fi. That's the only term. Yeah. You guys yeah. got hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I still feel like a moron for, like, 
BBC doesn't have any sci-fi shows. <laughs> I'm still sitting on that right now. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna smack you with the Doctor Who dick for a little bit. I'm actually still very curious though. When, when Doctor Who launches in what August? August. August? Yep. Yeah. I'm really wondering where the fandom is going to be because you're introducing like one of the Capaldi. big parts. Of, well, Peter Capaldi, really good actor. The thick of it. Dear God, the most foul-mouthed motherfucker I've ever seen on the oh, BBC yeah. in my oh, life. Fuck, yeah. Like. He created new, like, obscenities every six seconds he was on that show. It was amazing. Awesome. And, like, you know, he's in Musketeers, and he's fucking amazing in that, too. He's like, Cardinal. Yeah. He's yeah. this evil son of a bitch, but at the same time, you're like, I love to hate him so much. I think more people are going to like owls. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see that. He looks like an angry owl. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be like the comparisons of Benedict Cumberbatch and Otters. Oh, oh my god! Fucking explode! But it's please like tell me someone's yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's the idea though, like because think about how much of the current fan base of Doctor Who is like Matt Smith is dreamy, oh. David Tennant is dreamy. I remember when they announced Capaldi, mm-hmm. there was a reaction fan reaction videos, and one of the ones that really stuck out was this like fourteen year old blonde girl like like squeeing her brains out like when they were like they're like the next doctor is and you see her walk out and like tears are running down her face and she's like sees Capaldi and she's like he's old <laughs> and she's like and she's like what is this shit screaming her head off and like apparently there was a shit ton of videos like that it's all just, over the internet but then that begs the question have you seen the originals I know have they were seen all the different ages I mean yeah. most of them were older most that of them were older the capacity of they, the doctor not this dreamy like me no. you know but I mean literally over the progression of Doctor Who they just got younger. And that's part of the my problem with the Doctor Who fandom is they've only watched the last, what, three Doctors worth yeah, from, of Doctor from Who? Nine yeah. on. And they don't they don't go back and like watch more like since they liked the the these doctors, they yeah. haven't gone back and watched more to of the To be fair, ones. I have tried <laughs> it's I have a really I mean I have no attention span. And man like, the Daleks look like they were made from paper fucking tubes. Oh. Yeah, like, no, they probably were. Yes! It's so low true. Low budget. And so, oh, it's totally low budget. And so that's like, if that's a hard gap when it could be like, okay, I could sit there and go back to watch paper tube Daleks, or I can go watch the Musketeers. I'm gonna go watch the fucking Musketeers. With your no attention span, you should try to watch them the way they were originally aired in their, you know, nice, like, 10 to 15 minute serial segments. So you watch, you know, 10, 15 minutes of Doctor Who, then you say, okay, that's done. And then you come back the next week and watch the next 15 minutes. I might be able to watch it that way. Actually, if you want some really good old sci-fi shows, I suggest The Hour Limits from the 60s. Yeah. Very nice. What? Huh? What? I said... Outer Limits. I thought it was oh, yeah. Men and Nights from the, the 60s. The Men and Nights from the 60s. Yeah. yeah, that's a badass show. No. Outer Limits from the 1960s. Now that is a good science fiction show. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that. Speaking of science fiction, though, like, um, one of the things on how we decided we're going to end every episode of the Caffeine Crew casting of pods, I guess? Is that if that's going to stick? Casting cast of pods? Something. Casting cast of pods? As long as we... Now we're adding, a, we're adding a fourth C. Oh my god, I as think long- they, like... The um, invasion of the body snatchers. The pods. The pods. They're already here. (laughs) As long as we keep the CCCP. Yeah. I think we're good. So, since we were talking sci-fi, though, we're going to end every show with the good old classic, Mary Fuck Kill. And today, we are going to end with part one of our two parts of our Firefly edition. So, Firefly being, I think, most of some of our favorites... 
And um, one of like the most uh, most loved, rabid mm-hmm. and loved. Yeah, you want to talk fandom? fandom well, yeah, like the Firefly fly. fandom. Mm-hmm. And like, there's Drunk a it. Just watched a couple episodes the last couple days, and I forgot how fucking good so the writing is in this show. Good. It's so fucking good. Um, but so tonight, our Firefly edition of Mary Fuck Kill is going to focus on the dudes. Yeah, yeah. Dude night. Dude night. So tonight, we're going to be looking at Jane. Mal and Wash for Mary Fuck Kill. And really? I'm going to start off with Siobhan. Put me on the hot seat. Well, so, yep. That is a hot seat. It's a hot seat. Yeah. It's a hot seat of three dudes. I actually came up with my decision post podcast. So, all right. Post, pre? Pre? Pre. When I say post. No, I, I traveled back in time. Editing. So Amazing <laughs> editing skills have happened. Get your suffixes correct. Never. Okay, so what I've decided, after a long consideration, at first I was going to kill Wash because I'm like, oh, he dies anyway, and then I felt terrible about that, so... Spoiler alert, come on! (laughs) Okay, but seriously, I think I will... He lives on our hearts. Yes, he does. Like a leaf on the wind. Oh! Oh! (laughs) Every time I see leaves flying on the wind, I'm like, oh... Outside, yeah. I know. Alright, I will kill Jane. Mm Mm-hmm. I will fuck Mal and Mary Wash. I see this happening very often through this discussion, potentially. Well, because Wash is such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And That's Mal so true. might make a good lay. Most, yeah. yeah I, I think so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Lynch next. Okay. Um, <laughs> hmm. This, this, is a, this, is a, this is a thing. Is um, it a hard one? It's <laughs> yeah. so hard. <laughs> um, I already know who I'm going to marry. Okay. I'm going to marry Jane. Because oh. <laughs> totally you'll have your own that. town. <laughs> we would have our own town. We'd have tons of guns. Ex- Big guns. We'd, maybe we'd have explosives. We'd have grenades if somebody. That's why I'm going to kill Mal because he didn't. He wouldn't let us have grenades. <laughs> oh, this is turning into a whole. And then fuck Wash because you know he's kind of soft. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm guessing. <laughs> Not much going on there, eh? Uh, I'm guessing you'll be pitching in that one. Oh yeah. god. Because, and well, I'm, I'm going to be. If, if, if truth be told, in marrying, you know, sex is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd, um. We'd have good dude, dude sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. You know, like. You could have him bent over and hold sit there and be playing with his dinosaurs in front of you and like no, no. giving you a little show. No, I'm talking about Jane. Oh, Jane. Yeah, Jane. Oh, Jane. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, we'd have, we'd have more like a lot of good sex. And, Mad yeah. sex. You know what you guys can do? Like, like in your special like time together, he can have a special knitted hat that both of you can wear together. Aww. We could duck with one with one <laughs> knitted tube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ducking never ceases to be funny. So why kill why kill Mal? Because he wouldn't let us have grenades. <laughs> That's totally true. Mal would like That is a that is a legitimate reason for killing Mal. Because no grenades. It's so true. Well, I mean if you're gonna marry Jane, that's definitely a legitimate. We need reason. grenades. Yes. We need grenades. Mm-hmm. And Mal would just get too bossy on you. Just get in the way, yeah. you know? You're just gonna so ruin your fun. Hmm. Alright, well I I'll, I'll jump in next. Um so for me. It's going to be pretty much probably the same as, as uh, Siobhan here. I think uh, Gene, as much as I love love him, you know, he's he's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, 
She's got to take one for the team. You know? Well, I don't see the chemistry, the body chemistry together. <laughs> the, body, with the body chemistry. <laughs> I think I think I'm going to feel very insignificant body size. <laughs> I don't know about cock size, but I mean body size. Like, I'm like, aww. Like, he's like, he's going to take his shirt off, and I'm going to take my shirt off, and I'm like, I need to work out. <laughs> Why don't you hug me and tell me you love me anymore? <laughs> When it's all good, when that like little swoosh hits, it's it's, it's not gonna be. I'm not gonna be feeling really happy about myself. It's gonna be like I'm a cheap whore. All the shame, you're just sweating shame. Then I'm gonna look at him and I'm like, Why would you fuck me? What's wrong with you? Where are you damaged? Would you fuck me? (laughs) I'd fuck me. (laughs) So, Mel, I think you know Mel launched it. That's that's a hard hard call. No, well, it's just like with Mel, he could protect you because you are. If you're, if we're living in the the Firefly universe, you do mm-hmm. want to be with someone who's going to protect you. you want some no, that's protection. true. That's true. But like, God. So looking at that one, it was really difficult because I'm like, okay, you know, Wash probably make an amazing husband. He's probably mm-hmm. one of those type of people who like go out, you know, do we'll like work a couple jobs. He'd be like on the ship, have everything all taken Aww. care of, everything well, be in good shape. You Here's your Zoe. dinner. Zoe, Zoe's already. The I, I'm not as badass as Zoe. I'll Zoe, be honest. Zoe. You'd have to be able to like fill Zoe's shoes to be with Wash. Yeah, because here's the thing. Yeah, because like Zoe is probably as much as Jane's a badass. Mm-hmm. Zoe's the scary one on that ship. Oh yeah, it's very yeah. true. Next to River, because River's just not there. Yeah, but, River's just kind of insane. But but in yeah. all honesty, so I think Wash also. He seems very needy, though, too. Like, super needy. Just like, give him his dinosaurs. He'll be happy. I know. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that would be just a more fun fuck for him to show me a play with the dinosaurs as I bend him over, like, the console of the ship. And, oh, my God. You know, like, oh, Bill traumatized. Like, because, like, even if he's not good and if his sex is not great, I'll still be entertained. <laughs> I think that's where I'm going to lean on that one. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll marry Mel because, well, I guess that means, like, you know. There, there was only one option left. Yeah. Well, it's not even yeah. that, though, too. But, like, Mel, Mel is just an awesome character. Like, he's a great wisecracker. Like, you know, like, he's the type of person that you know is always going to, like, be blunt and honest with you. He's not that passive, super passive-aggressive type. I mean, he is a little bit, you know, like I say, but not as much as Wash would be. And I think it would. it's like you can deal with a certain level of that. And he seems more like a very more well-rounded person. Like he's got a little bit of values to it, so like it'll bring something to the relationship. It's not going to get stale quick. Oh my more adventures will come up. <laughs> yeah. He's a little insane in his thought processes, so you know you're going to be adventuring a little bit more. Maybe sexually, maybe monetarily, <laughs> but like I could, I could see that being a very fun, fun, fun marriage adventure with it with would Mal. Be, it would always be an adventure. That's and true. um, I could always like you know like if he pisses me off, I'm like um, if you do that again, I'm gonna tug on your ear and see if that really held really well after you got oh, cut off and so use real. that against him. I had to throw it in. You've Kat, got Kat, now. Kat had a problem with the, that torture episode. Oh, pretty hard oh, for oh I could not. I it was so upsetting. So yeah, so uh, kill kill Jane, fuck Wash, marry marry Mel. Mine's actually the same as Siobhan's because Jane. Sorry, I mean I liked him, but not that much. I I I have a huge issue with like people that do evil shit. It's just no, no. Your moral it doesn't. doesn't Yeah, it doesn't fit with my moral code. My moral code it would not work. And Jane and me would just butt heads. Mel I think would be too bossy, so I would bang him. That would be awesome, but I don't want him to boss me around. I 
I can boss wash around, and I can totally fit in Zoe's pants. That works fine. Well, you see, like, the so, other thing with a wash, I think if you married him, he'd be more supportive than Mel. He'd be super I just, supportive. I just get that like, yeah. he'd be more sensitive to your needs rather than oh, yeah. Mel. Just be like, oh, deal with yourself. You know? Yeah, Mel would be doing myself, but then I'd be, like, arguing with him all the time, and I don't really want to do that. I just want to boss wash I, around. It'd I be want great. someone who's going to listen to me when I'm, I need to talk, you know, and yeah. wash would be that person. It's so true. You listen wash to me. Precious. I give you sex. <laughs> Sexual relations. In the car, it'll be in my bunk. No. <laughs> All right, so. So I guess it leaves me. Yep. Well, um, I, I'd say that I'd kill Mel. Why? I'd kill Mel. Um, he's he's not the Marion type. <laughs> I think he's just got too much emotional baggage to bring into it. That whole thing with That's the Nara and just... I, I feel like there's way too much to Mal that... Commitment problems possibly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh, God, totally has commitment um, so I'm just going to leave him be. Um, <laughs> leave him be. Uh, I'm going to... I I definitely uh, fuck Jane. You know, it would be a... I could work out one of those, you know, ultimate submission fantasies where <laughs> Jane's just this big strapping man and just, you know... I hear your washing machine broke down, sir. <laughs> Do you need your pool clean? Time to show you my big gun. Oh my gosh. I call it Vera. <laughs> Did you order a pizza with sausage? <laughs> so so then in the end I'd marry Wash. And I think Wash, you know, he would be he'd be a very gentle lover. He'd be a very gentle lover. I can um, see you guys go in the nine. And and you know, he's I think he's always there to listen. Mm-hmm. He's always there to offer his advice. He will tell you his dreams and aspirations. Oh, like dinosaur. how he just wanted to pilot a ship. He wanted to fly. He wanted to be out there. He wanted to be that leaf on the wind. Oh, God! So, here, here's a follow-up question, because we're only going to do two Firefly ones, because we're going to leave out a group of the third. So for the people, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to come up with a fun offshoot at the end of this, because our next episode, we're going to hit uh, Kaylee, um, Zoe, Zoe, and Inara, mm-hmm. but that leaves Simon, River, <laughs> and Shepard. That's just a bumblefuck right there. Okay, but sorry. here's the problem, because they had three people here married Wash. Now, Wash is going to die, and you only have three people left on Earth that you can marry, and it's those oh three people. Oh. So you have... Oh. So wait... Uh, you got Book, you got you got Simon, and River. you got River. Oh. I'd be so distraught from the fact that Wash died that I'd probably marry River in the hopes that she'd kill me in my <laughs> sleep soon afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably go with Simon. It's like, It'd be, I'd settle. I'd settle for Simon. And you'd look at him and be like, why are you talking still? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Because, I mean, he's enough of a bitch that I can still... Go do an episode or two of Arrow and go get blown up in a car somewhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I might... Okay, let's say, like, I married Wash because he's, like, the love of my life. Yeah. And then him dying, I'd have nothing left to lose. I would marry Shepard because... And then he dies. But he's got all these weird connections and shit like that. He could set me up, so to speak, before he dies. That's true. I don't know. It's just like... He might be loaded. You get hooked up with Badger. There you go. Yeah. Hmm? You can get um, hooked up with Mark Shepard, Badger. But Badger dies as well. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. many people die. My <laughs> life would just be a tragedy after Wash's death. I know. From here on out, it just like everyone dies around me. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. I think I would 
I don't know what. I become a reaver. That's oh. what happens. Oh, God. <laughs> I have all my dead lovers strapped to my ship. Oh, what? <laughs> book. This just took a very morbid and horrifying turn. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I'd go with I'd go with River because we could have crazy, fun, slashy, pokey stab times with. with <laughs> you were really need to get into that whole like BDSM aspect. Oh no, no, I'm not talking about like slashy, pokey, stabby, fun times with each other. I'm talking about like we go out and oh, but slashy, oh, pokey, stabby. That's fun great. Times. She's still gonna be rocking the hardcore uh, S and M Broly with you as her play toy. That's okay. You know what? Um, we can we can talk to our friend Dollheart and uh, get you get your latex gear back, and I'm sure she'll put it Yes. So on that note, that is uh, our inaugural episode of the Caffeine Crew Casting of Pods. Um, real quick, when we uh, as we wrap up, I want to go around real fast. Um, everybody can hit if they have any articles coming up for people to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, Kat, you've got a. Uh, I got my AMV of the day, bitches. And uh, you're also getting ready to start working on some more uh, reviews and DLC for Dragon Age. Yeah. Yep. Probably gonna do a write up for Awakenings. Mm-hmm. Bill, I am going to be working on the PlayStation Plus games that are coming out for PS3. Uh, the games that you can get for free. Uh, so Dead Space 3 and Vessel will be out sometime this month, so uh, review should be up shortly. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out already, you really have to check out the uh, Steampunk World Fair coverage that I posted to the site. Also, it's on Steampunk World Fair Fair's website as well. Uh, my words, they're not working in my mouth anymore. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> but keep on the lookout. I think I'm in the works of I'm going to be posting, like, those, like, I'm doing, like, top five uh, movies that we nerd should watch. And I'm kind of, because I'm, like, the science fiction queen, I'm, right now my theme is 1950s science fiction movies. So stay on the lookout for that. I did promise you a list way back when. This is me trying to keep my promise. Cool. Very awesome. Well, I got a bunch of stuff that I got to write. Uh, I just don't know when I'm going to have the time for it. I have a bunch of board games from Too Many Games that I got to write for. Um, I got to... Finally, do the Titans of Imperium review, um, Alka Slam review, the uh, Kobolds are coming review. Um, I'm gonna do a couple panel reviews of things that I went to. Um, I have a an anime review coming up, the Knights of Sidonia, which is the the Netflix published uh, series that. Uh, they're doing for the United States. Oh, that's the one that kind of looked like Macross on the screen, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't like that Netflix got it because they did, contrary to what I thought they were going to do, they just batched it. They just batched the whole thing. Ah, oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Because it was technically a spring series. Okay. It started in back in April, and then it was ran for 13 episodes, and I'm gu- currently watching it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I didn't even know that was already up yet. Yeah, Is so it, it went up uh, last weekend, this past weekend, or something like that. Cool. Uh, I've also got some stuff more to, still to come from Too Many Games. Um, I think me and Tim are collaborating on a write-up for Pulsar and Colony One yep. because that was a, um, a father and son were um, actually making those games. Um, they each had their own projects, so but they were talking a little bit back and forth, and it seemed like they're both their first titles, so we thought it'd be a nice way to collaborate that. Had a really nice big write-up um, from uh, for Philadelphia Extra Life and the Philadelphia Extra Life Guild. 
um, that just hit the site a couple days ago. I definitely recommend checking that out. It's a charity that we're really huge about um, that will be taking place in the end of October. You can find out more about that too at extra-life.org. Um, but definitely recommend reading that, handing that around. It's a good cause. Um, outside of that, uh, my weekly Wednesday What the Fuck will be coming back this week uh, after its little tiny hiatus from Too Many Games and um, the Friday fan film. And I was thinking about also maybe doing a little comparison write-up from... The original Sailor Moon Episode 1 and the new Sailor Moon Crystal, Crystal. which we just watched last night, which was... Yay, uh, Tele! <laughs> but uh, we got to watch that and uh, looking at the comparison between the two. But yeah, that's um, that's pretty much uh, where we got. And we got a ton of other writers putting out some amazing content. Um, Adrian um, puts up our cosplay of the day every day. Um, we've got Heather, one of our newer writers that's on the site, has actually just put up a review of Sailor Moon Crystal. Um... Winding Dingo, which is uh, her husband Tommy, has been doing a, a lot of uh, great anime posts recently, board okay. game posts. And then Kevil's defending the point articles. He had a great one about Adam Sessler leaving the gaming industry just last week. Um, and then we also have uh, Mr. October 78, which is Fig. He's been doing a lot of great stuff in the mm-hmm. uh, background as well. Yeah, and, we have a lot of new, uh, and uh, a lot of new content, a lot of new cr- contributors, so it's totally worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it looked like yesterday also too launched um, Luchi Dono, one of the other writers, actually uh, is starting to do some live streaming on Twitch. Definitely keep an eye on the page, check that out when that hits as well. Tim, do you have anything to um, For backlog episodes, be sure to check out our YouTube channel, because I'm going to be converting our podcasts over to um vid to video format just so i can upload them onto youtube um because apparently the wordpress audio player sucks ass and i gotta change over the the first what seven episodes to the Libsyn embedded player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this episode will be joining ours in the Libsyn account probably at launch um yeah, so like I said, that'll be going active with the site, the uh, YouTube, and um, on our Libsyn account all yeah. at the same time. It, yeah, I'll be doing, I'll be releasing both, uh, both in, on YouTube and Libsyn, so you can check it out on either place. And I will be starting current with uh, on with the Libsyn account. Mm-hmm. And uh, to wrap this up too, um, I know if you listen to the Chaotic Control podcast, like I said, that is still continuing. Don't uh, don't think that it's going away either. Where our hopes are to give you guys audio content every week. So, so much content. Yep, all of it. <laughs> so two from the Caffeine Crew podcast, which will be focusing more so on the writers from the website and a lot of stuff that's revolving around the website. And the Chaotic Neutral podcast will be continuing same as usual. Just um, our crazy go nuts bullshit of. Usual. Mm-hmm. Yep. So make sure you're checking out and like looking at both of them constantly coming back to the website, which is www.caffeinecrew.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Caffeine Crew, and you can always reach out and email us at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. Thank you again very much for listening. Uh, did you get our YouTube channel? Oh, no, I didn't. Our YouTube channel, was it The Caffeine? I haven't even checked The Caffeine <laughs> Crew on youtube.com slash The Caffeine Crew. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you again in two weeks. Peace. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye now. (laughs) That's awesome.